Oh, look at that. Look at that, everybody. All right. Welcome to Kilgallon's Pub, podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallon, like to drink with some people, have some fun, recreate that style of conversation you have at the bar with your boys or your girls or your they thems. It's a new world, right? I'm very excited for this one. This is episode 99 of the podcast. I got a great guest, a returning guest, someone who I should have had a while back because his episode was a very popular one. The one, the only, Kevin Bozeman. How you doing, Kevin? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, this is, I'm very good. This is great because we're simulcasting. We're going live on my YouTube channel and we're also live on Facebook, the People of Comedy Facebook Network, which has got a ton of great Chicago comedy based podcasts on it. And so um, if anyone wants to pop in any, any comments, um, I'll be able to like, you know, we'll, we'll indulge with you a little bit because there's a few things I want to talk about with you because you're, you're a fun guy, uh, like maybe the best combination of comedian and drinker because there's some great drinkers but they're not good comedians you know what i mean so there's like a ratio and i feel like you were like in that upper you're on that mount rushmore of comics who have talent and could drink at like an insane level what would you rather have if you had a choice to hang out with a great comic or a great drinker i think a great drinker a great, a great comic that's a bad it's a bad drinker or a great drinker that's a bad comic. I think a great drinker that's a bad comic because you're going to have fun with that person, I feel like. I feel like I'm the opposite, my man. I feel like uh, a drinking buddy is a bonus. But if I got a – nothing bothers me more than having a uh, – because generally those people are really funny too, but they're horrible yeah. stage. And that bothers me. That hurts my soul when they're so fun – to hang out with, but on stage, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And yeah, because something's missing. Deal with this for the weekend? Oh, especially on the road. Oh, that's bad. I didn't even think of it that way. If you're working yeah, a whole weekend at a club with them. I'm talking about people that, I'm, that you're working with. Like, I mean, I could, I go to the comedy club and hang out with people that drink. And it's great. But, like, you know, if I got to watch them perform and it's awful, I'll take the I'll take the uh, great comic who's got shitty perspectives on everything, and a bet and get uh, get wasted. And yeah, yeah, I'll take that because I can always leave that situation. Yeah, I was going to bring up that point because sometimes on the road you don't always have to hang out with the person you're opening with. It's a bonus if your opener's cool, but you know, not always has to be the case. Um, well, I just mean to click off of something there. You see here, I thought we got a comment, but maybe I heard something else. Sorry about that, everyone. Testing a new thing here out. Um, but this is, uh, I, that's a great point, man. And you, um, but as far as like I was saying though, to be a great drinker and a great comedian, what do you think you're better at, drinking or comedy? I Tough mean, one. I would like to say I'm better at comedy. Who wouldn't want to say that they're better at comedy? But uh, a lot of people tend to mention my drinking a lot. <laughs> Well, it's I'm, like, I'm not nearly the drinker that I used to be, though. I mean, I had a nice little prime in my mid to late 20s there that I think has uh, passed me by now that I'm a stay at home dad, basically. Yeah. Uh, those days of, of going hard. But you, man, man I, I've heard like legendary stories, bottles of Jameson. And I think I've seen you drink a lot. But it doesn't. It's, you seem to hold upright. I've never seen it where I'm like, wait, Bozen, he was drunk? I, I've never. So I, I don't know. That's why those, those the best drinkers are like, like sneaky like that. Can hold and still hold a conversation and stuff and don't get aggressive 
Don't get touchy. Don't start yelling. Don't start berating people. Yeah, those people I got zero tolerance for. When, See, just, when it's time for me to check out, I just check out. I bounce. I don't say goodbye or anything. I'm, 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 what do you call it? Is it another Irish goodbye? It is an Irish goodbye. Comedian Sean Flannery, uh, who's Irish, of course, and is a great drinker and comic. I, I saw him do it in a way where I've never been a fan of the Irish goodbye, even as an Irish person, because it's not so hard to just say goodbye. I remember one of the first times I was a new comic. I was like maybe five, six months in. And so getting drunk with him was a big deal as a comedian coming up, like as far as, you know, Chicago goes. And he's a fun guy. And I remember I was outside, like calling my, my girl, girlfriend, now wife or something. And Sean was just like, I'm like, are you leaving? He's like, no, no, I just got to, I'm going to go piss between these two bushes over here. I'm like, oh, cool. And then I saw him just keep going. And he just went home. I think he went to a corner, got into like a cab. And I'm like, why the fuck did he just say goodbye? Why did he lie about peeing somewhere? Because people don't like to hear. People don't want you to, to leave. People don't want you to leave. They want you to stick around. They want you to drink. But that's when I know to leave. That's why I don't say goodbyes because I maxed out. I maxed out for what I was capable of that night. And so I just bounced. If it's real chill and real like chill atmosphere, I'll say goodbye. But if it's intense and I want to go, I just go. I feel like if it's really intense and everybody's having a good time, they won't they won't miss me. It's not like what both of love, we shutting it down. So it just depends on on, on that. The that would feel pretty good though if people were like, Bozeman's gone, party's over, turn the lights off, you know. <laughs> That's gotta be a nice yeah, little ego good. boost. Sp yeah. Speaking of ego boosts, I gotta give you an ego boost from the start. I saw you tweet maybe a week or so ago. Um, you got a son that's a pretty badass basketball player, man. You know what? Here's the thing. He uh, he's better because I play. I played at Wisconsin Whitewater. I played two years at JUCO, then I went to Wisconsin Whitewater. And uh, he's better at me, better than me at so far every step. And I hope that he turns out to be better at me than my best. Cause I think that I was pretty tough. I feel, I feel like in my day, like. My 25, 26 year old range, I felt like I was I was ready to hoop. It didn't matter who was stepping on the court. I hooped against NBA players, I hooped against, you know, European players. But uh yeah, he's not he's not bad. He's got a load of potential. He just, you know, you know the father always wants better best for him. He's still he's still a work in progress, but yeah, he's he we're getting there. I'm sure you've given him tons of great advice and passed down some wisdom. I got into basketball a little late. Maybe I was like 11, 12 years old. I think 11 years old when I first played like organized basketball, not, you know, shooting around. You were always a baseball guy? I was always obsessed with baseball. And then one in my whole block, everyone on my block, I grew up like on a Chicago street real, like, you know. Where did you grow up? I grew up on uh, like off of Irving and Milwaukee on the northwest side, a neighborhood called Portage Park. Okay, of course. Yeah, so I'm going to Chicago Public School. Park back there. I mean, literally the opposite end of me. I was southeast. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it was northwest side. So, yeah, totally. If you folded Chicago, like, in half, maybe. Um, yeah, and I remember my dad being like, pass the ball. Just pass. But I had a coach who was trying to teach me to be a scorer, and then I became obsessed with basketball. I watched Michael Jordan's come fly with me every day. Yeah. And, um, and I learned how to score. I had a good little, like, fadeaway gym not like a fadeaway but a quick little turnaround right. and um and i could get to the basket and i remember my dad being like focus on your passing you just got to focus and i and then i got older and realized okay he knew that i wasn't going to be six six and he knew that like so he was probably just trying to be like genetically let's work on shoot, shoot the three shoot like he wanted me to be john stockton what can keep you on the court as long as possible 
Yes, which that's is great goal. advice. That's, that's always the goal. It's it's to stay on the do whatever it takes to stay on the court as long as possible. I tell my kids this. I go, you may not be able to shoot, but if you can stop the shooter from shooting on the other end, they're gonna always have a spot for you. And that that takes that doesn't take a whole lot. A talent, you got to be athletic enough to be positioned defensively and be able to, to keep up with the superior athletes. But if you can defend, I mean, look how many people that defended and scored career six-point shooters and been 15 years in the league. That's true, yeah. I mean, and that's what always was impressive. That's why I loved it. And I want to get to this because it was so awesome to read because you went into such great detail Everyone, I'm not sure if I mentioned at the beginning, but Kevin did uh, top 25 NBA players of all time. And what was really cool about it was that, you know, it's during quarantine. So the NBA season's not going on and everything's going on with COVID. So it was like a fun thing to be updated about while everyone was getting hyped up about the Last Dance documentary. So I'm kind of like, all right, you know, and I already knew, you and I have talked basketball enough where I kind of knew, I had a guess of your top five, but there was a couple surprises along the way. Um, But you did it in such a way where, it was like, oh, sh- oh, here's what stuck out to me. When you brought up something about LeBron James, I'm not hating on LeBron James, but this one stuck out, where you talked about a sequence where, no, he was looking to pass. And trust me, I remember, I'm a gambler. Gamblers never forget. And that made yeah. me laugh my ass off. Because every gambler I know could always recall, this is what yeah. this piece of shit should have done that day. It cost yeah. me a grand and all that. So um, before we get into that, though, because yeah, yeah. I know you got great basketball knowledge. Your son, what position does he play? He is a four right now, but I'm trying to get him to be a three because he's six seven. Six seven, damn. You're like six five, six six, right? You're big. Six, I'm I'm right at six five. And he's he's six seven, right? And he's on this four thousand calorie diet right now. He's trying to put on muscle. Smart. He's doing all the things. He's he's working out. I got a hoop outside the crib where he's putting the time in. I rebound for him and do all of those things. But I'm like, you know, you could play a lot of places at four as a four, six, seven. But if you a six, seven, small four, now we start talking some elite type shit because six, seven, small four means you can go out and do other things just naturally. If you're six, seven, and you're small four, you can just go out. That means you people know you can go out and do other things. You can athletic, you can handle the ball a little bit, you can shoot a little bit, you can score, you can rebound. That's kind of that guy that can kind of do all of those things. So he's six seven, he's a power four, but I'm trying to get him to be a small four. But he's a high academic kid too. He'll be a senior at, at Downers Grove, no, but he'll he's a high academic school. So my goal, like ideally, I would love him to go Ivy League. Oh, dude, that'd be fantastic. Fantastic. Um, yeah, man. I mean, who cares about basketball? Going Ivy League is just perfect to play I mean, there, especially. I always just spend all of my time with people going, wait, your kid? <laughs> people are like, wait, your your kid? Yours? Yes, my my kid. Yep. Dude. That'd be great. That'd be a great thing. I sacrificed my career for him. The least he can do is go Ivy League. Yeah, I mean, because I'm sure you've gotten this. Because Kevin, you've been you've done a lot of stuff. You've been headlining clubs across the country for a long time. You you were a finalist, right? You were top ten on last comic standing. Just outside. I, just I was outside. in my finals there. Yeah. So yeah, I did I did uh last comic, which was great. People, you know. 
I had a good set. Uh, you know, when you when you're with people that's doing, I don't know, three minute sets or a minute and a half, whatever they're giving us, or something so hard, crazy, something that we never do. And so you go up, you have a good set, and uh, they're gonna nitpick it, and they nitpick mine, and I, I didn't make it, but I I didn't. I wasn't screaming foul or anything. It was a it was a great time. I mean, I got to stay in L.A. on their dime and stay in a nice hotel, and you know, yeah, fun. for sure, man. It was fun. Nice credit. Yeah, yeah, nice credit. Great experience. But I, you know, all these Chicago comics were out there too, which was great. Hanging out with them. Oh yeah, that had to be a lot of fun. And I, I bring up last comic stand because like you've done a lot of things, but you've always stayed in Chicago, and I'm sure you've had people breathing down your neck to be like, come to New York, come to L.A. And all that kind of stuff, but I feel like you've got a great career, man. You got a good situation, so you know, right? Everybody likes to, you know, have that uh, home run, you know, in your your terms, home runs. But it's it's all right to just keep racking up singles and doubles. If Rafael Palmero didn't get caught uh, cheating, he was going to be a Hall of Famer, and he was never ever great. I tell people it, there is greatness in being really good for a long time. Yeah, consistency. But right, but they, like he was just—he never was MVP. He never was leading the league or anything. But every year, just but then when he made that big old speech and pointed to the to the, the right, I've never done it. And then two weeks later, guess what? You know, he did do it. And then he just disappeared. But he was really good. I mean, there's. There's so many ways where you can make a really good living. Maybe not buy a helicopter and have mansions, but you can pay your kids through college and make a decent living and not necessarily have to worry, check the check. And that's, it's not wrong with that. No, hell no, man. That's, you made it. That's, you made it. That's what making it is to me. If you're happy, that's making it. That's, that's what it is. I agree. I tell people that all the time. I go, if you're happy, you've made it. Yeah, hell yeah, man. So you got a six foot seven inch son. My oldest son, he's only I measured him the other day, he's like three foot three. It's weak, man. <laughs> I mean he's only, he's three years old, but still, man, that's bullshit, man. No, what do they say? What do they have him in, in the um on the charts? Like what's his what's his percentage? Oh, he's he's like 90th percent. He's he's up there. He's pretty tall. They're both my sons are tall for their age. I know I'm just fucking around. It's just funny because I measured him and I'm like, you're three foot two. It just seems come on, man. Let's step it up. Let's go. I like I like talking to my two sons like they're bar buddies. Like to my, my one year old the other day, I was like, dude, you're acting like a baby. Let's let's get that shit together, you know? <laughs> you're being who you are right now. And I, I really am. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, man. So yeah, all right. Yeah, being happy is you made it. You know what I mean? Um, not everyone has to be these this like, and and you mentioned like helicopters and stuff like that, like that Kevin Hart crazy lifestyle. Some of that sounds like Bird hasn't done a lot of movies and stuff. Like I would think most of his his grip has come from just being a stand-up comic and even like the Brian Regas of the world. Bill Burr is starting to, you know, he's doing a couple of movies and TV shows, but you know, he I think I was thinking of Bill Burr when I started with a helicopter and Kevin Hart obviously has everything. Phenomenal, good for him. There's no one to work people that talk shit about those comics. Like the uh, the uh, Amy Schumer's and the Kevin Hart and the world talk about how funny that they are. I don't doubt that, that when they say that, but I do doubt their work ethic. Amy Schumer's and Kevin Hart's work ethic was 
you can just see that's head and shoulders above everyone, everyone else's. Absolutely. Amy Schumer, Schumer, I mean, I don't know if I said Schubert, Amy Schumer, I was like just starting when she, I think, won last comic standing or was like top five in last comic standing. And um, I was at the Globe open mic, you know, just a little open mic at a bar on, on, on the north side of Chicago. And I got off stage and a bunch of comics were like, that's Amy Schumer. She's on Last Comic Standing right now. And she was waiting to go up. And I'm like, why is she here? And they're like, oh, she was at Zany's. I think she had like a sister who lived here at the time. And right. um, and she like popped in and did Zany's tonight. I guess like she's got she's here for the week doing some stuff. And then she came to this open mic. And I'm like, that's a crazy work ethic. I mean, you're on a show that's nationally televised and doing really well. You, you go up at a big club and then you're like, no, I need more. And then you go to a little bar. That's that to me was like, okay, this is someone who's going to be big because right. they've got that insane thing. And I only bring up Kevin Hart because I, he's just the biggest comedian. But yeah. I also mentioned Kevin Hart for two reasons. And this is, this hopefully will segue. The segue will make sense for everyone. I caught a clip of him. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast like yesterday. And he said, um, you know, he's telling Rogan, you got to watch the Jordan documentary. You got to watch The Last Dance. And he's talking about how crazy Jordan was, like, mentally with, um, like, this guy was destined to be a winner. And nobody put in the work like he did. And it was just, the guy's like an alien. You know, he's hyping him up and everything like that. And that's how I see, like, a Kevin Hart with the work ethic thing. But then I thought to myself, when Jordan's in the hotel room and he's like, this isn't a life you want. It yeah. made me think, yeah, I don't want that shit. I don't want, like, how, I mean, in his brain, it works for him. But to me, that idea of being so famous that you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. I mean, he went gambling with his dad to blow off some steam, and it was worldwide headlines. Like, there's just something about that level where I'm like, I, I don't even know. Like, is, my, is Michael Jordan even a happy guy? I don't know. Nothing, nothing is uh, – there's very few things, of anything, that's absolute. So there's just going to be some trade-offs. It's going to be some trade-offs. You're going to rub people the wrong way. You're going to step on some toes. You're going to have to give up certain things. But, I mean, man, for for me, for you and I who grew up in Chicago, like this was, yeah, I take I take 100 more Jordans, especially now where, where what the Bulls are and sports-wise. I take 100 more Jordans. Like I would I always argue about this. Like I would never – like, I would love to hang out at night with Jordan, but I wouldn't want him in my crew. I mean, it's the, I would like, not want that dude in my crew. There's no way I could deal with just, like, that sort, the way he processes information. We talk about bad drinkers. Like, there's also people that's ultra competitive, where I want people that's competitive that want to compete, but not at the level yeah, I think I'd get annoyed with Jordan hanging out with him. I mean, Will Smith was on Kimmel, and they talked about, oh, what's it like hanging out with Michael Jordan? He's like, everything's a competition. You'll be, like, out to eat with him, and he'll be like, I bet I can finish my steak faster than you can finish your steak. And it's like, I want to fucking enjoy this, buddy. Come yeah, on. Exactly right. And, then, and I think the higher the stakes are, like, the bigger he sees the star power in somebody else, the more he wants to compete with them because that's just – that he only knows one way. And that's, that's, that challenge. That's, that's how you get to be considered the greatest of all time is you only know one way. And, and that's not for 99.9999999% of the people on the planet. So 
but and like you said, it's all about being happy in the end. Dude. Like I yeah, go, I go to sleep pretty feeling pretty good, right? You do too, though. I do too. I mean, this there's been a I'll, if I'm being honest with my audience, there's been some ups and downs lately, and I couldn't figure out why because I was I don't know. Sometimes I think the difference now is like I've been putting a lot of work in, you know, building my YouTube channel, um, just putting out content. I've been I've been big on TikTok lately. Uh, just to try to like, you know, keep some sort of sanity. Like I need to, cause my wife's a nurse and she's like working on the COVID floor and she's amazing. Yeah. And she's like, like she's holding us together. So I feel like I got to be more than if I'm just full-time dad, I think I'll lose my mind. So I have to keep pushing the comedy thing. And, um, on days you don't get the results. It's like, fuck. And you get really like pissed off. But then I got to remember, you know, we got to think big picture. You also, um, yeah, you can't tie your happiness into these numbers too. Right. What's, what's your, you said ups and downs. Uh, what's your biggest up? What's your biggest down of recent memory? If you want to share recent memory. Oh no. Um, biggest up recently. I mean, just filming that last hour, um, felt really good. I had to take a step back and be like, damn, I did, I did an hour a year, two years in a row. You know, I released an hour in 2019 and released an hour in 2020. And, um, and yeah, I was at first I was had the hesitant where I'm like, am I pushing this? Is this do I need to wait another six months to make it better? Or is it ready? I'm like, no, this shit's ready. Let's put it out there. So that was a great up. Um a down would be like, I don't fucking um I don't know if there's anything one thing I could pinpoint. It's just kind of like an overall like being life. frustrated. What's that? Life right now. Life right now. Yeah, you know what it is. So here's what I was gonna say. Someone made a reference that for comedians, performing is our drug. And um, I think it's like I'm starting to go through a little bit drawled now. I think for a while I was like, hey, this is what it is. Nobody's performing right now. When it all comes back, it'll be fun because everyone will feel rusty about getting back on stage. And, you know, um, look, this COVID shit's real. My wife works on the COVID floor. So I'm, I'm not like some insane conspiracy theorist who's like, ah, it's the government and I'm, I'm, everything blows. But like, I think lately I've kind of because I'm putting all this work in during the day, I'm editing podcasts, I'm editing clips from the podcast, you know, putting up the stand up clips as well. And just, you know, I'm, I'm writing, a, I just started writing a script too. And normally when you blow off all that steam by performing at night. So at nighttime, it's like, cool. I get to tell some jokes on stage, get that live response. That is the reason I got into it. That's why I haven't wanted to do a single zoom comedy show. Cause I'm like, no, that's not what a comedy is. I got into it for that fucking live reaction. That that's what drove me to this, this shit. You haven't, you haven't done any? No, I haven't. I've been asked to do two and I've said no only because, I didn't tell them, no, I'm, I'm not doing these. But when they asked me, I couldn't have done them anyway. One was like L.A. time. So it was like, ah, no, I put my kids to bed around then and my wife's at work. So it's just not going to work. And then another was um, like same reason, I think. I had two where I was just like, I just can't. And so they're like, oh, we'll try you on the next one. And I, they haven't hit me up. But I don't know. I'll probably cave and say yes. And maybe it'll be fun. You I don't know. You may I have think, yeah, I think you're right. But you know what I mean? It just doesn't feel the same. Like, I could have a conversation nah. with you, but... It's not. I found a nice little groove doing them. I haven't done any public shows, but I've been doing, like, private corporate shows and stuff. Um, really? So How's that? What's that? How does that work? They've been great, man. So, I tell people, I'll, I'll say this, like, it's great to have it's great to to do whatever it is you do and don't compromise like as a performer you know you got your set and it's the way you your point of view is and it's the way you write jokes that's all 
great. But if you want to survive and grind, it's good to just have like a 15, 20 minute, half hour clean set that shows that I can do that too and do it well. So when times like this happens, you all, there's always work when, you know, there ain't been so many comedy clubs, but there's a ton of comedians and there's always a lot of new, new comics. There's always a lot of new, especially now, cause there's so many different ways to become a hit. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, everyone can become these viral sensations and to stay working, man, you, you gotta be able to diversify your portfolio. So, and now, right now, my portfolio is, it's just doing corporate gigs on Zoom. So I go on, I, I make them turn off, turn off their mics. Like I don't even want to hear laughter. Cause I, cause then you got to hear everything else. Oh, that's you know, true. Yeah. You got to hear a drink spilled, a dog barking, someone calling their kid, the kid calling them. So you can just mute them and you can still see if they're laughing or not. Right, so if they're laughing, you're good. You can see them laughing, and then you try to find who's laughing the hardest, and try to pace your set based on that person. And I mean, it's just you just gotta you just gotta have some flexibility because I don't know when we're gonna get back on stage consistently. I know, man. That's the saddest thing. And I, you know, for my regular podcast listeners, sorry if this has become a redundant thing each week with each guest, but it doesn't feel. Like in Chicago, especially, because I guess our numbers really aren't going down that much. And the idea, all these, the best thing about comedy clubs is the intimacy. You're packed in there. Um, you know, laughter is contagious. Yeah. Um, so is coronavirus. So, like, the whole idea of people <laughs> laughing. When you laugh, you spit. You don't notice What's it. You do. and coronavirus have in common. They're both contagious. <laughs> we joke Allen. See? See, I'm still funny here. Um, but, yeah, man, I've just been, like, occupying my time with trying to do all this, like, stuff to keep busy in the comedy world but then i'm not getting that release later performing so i think i've had some ups and downs but you're right you asked me do i go to bed happy 95 percent of the time it's like me as a drunk 95 percent of the time biggest yeah. sweetheart in the world you want me around there's a five percent of the time i'm gonna be like what the fuck did you say to my friend no 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 seriously what'd you fucking say to this guy <laughs> what's the last time you been into a fight you were in a oh fight. shit dude um i talked about this with my last guest i had megan gailey on the podcast dude yeah. i was the only Hold on, Ryan Grant, who's in the comments. I want to answer that question soon, Ryan Grant. So chill, but I love you. Thanks for asking that. It's a cool question. Anyway, um, I was at Megan Gailey's bachelorette party. I was the only dude at her bachelorette party, and a guy got loud, so I had to, like, chuck him. Um, it was at a nightclub and across the street from Chris Bader's bar, one of those nightclubs. I forget the name of it. And uh, we had, like, this whole area, you know, VIP, like, bottle service thing. And this dude and two other people, like a guy, a guy and a girl, they, like, kind of snuck into our area. And the, like our bartender, our personal like waitress bartender, she was like, Hey, you got to go. And he was like, what? I'm sorry. I can't hear you. And he was doing it like on purpose. And then I come up because they're like, Joe. And I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, dude, you gotta, this is private. So she's getting married. You know, it's a bachelor party. You got, and I was being so cool. And I'm like, no, seriously, you got to fucking go. And he's being like a dick. Like, I don't know. What's why can't I? And he's like up a little higher. Right. He's like, you know, people put their feet on the seat, but they're like sitting on like the top of the seat, like the yeah. booths like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I give a look at Lisa Traeger and Megan Gailey and they both give me the no, it's, you're, you're, you're justified. Cause I think I was having a conversation with them earlier about how I was working on my temper and I'm, you know, I don't want to be the angry dad. And they both looked at me like, 
no, no, you go for it. This is this is why you're this is why we love you. This is justified. And I just grabbed him and fucking threw him where he like landed like on his ass to back. And then I had that step like fuck, you know, I can't remember what I said, but dude, I could kick it up another gear with like the deepness of my voice when I'm about to get like pissed off. I could do that like I'll fucking end you. Like I could get like I don't even I don't know where it comes from, man. I get real basty. Um it's 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 it me. Joe, it comes from your hair. It is, man. It's fucking, fucking red quaff. I'm going to show the listeners. Let me take the hat off real quick. Bam. Uh, Ron Grant is asking, what is the funniest thing we've been watching on TV? Like, what's the funniest thing we're watching right now? Oh, gosh. Great question. It is. I'll start. I, Dude, I have not been um, – I've been trying to watch, like, comedy movies maybe more so because, like, as far as TV shows – I'm watching reruns of Scrubs because it's like a medical dr- comedy, so it seems fitting right now. We're watching like a hospital comedy show, and then um, this is a mess. And then uh, I watched the other guys the other day, fucking hilarious. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've been really watching too many comedy comedies. I rewatched uh, one of Dave Chappelle's specials. I can't remember which one. The one where he's in Houston. I rewatched that like earlier this week. Yeah, man. I God, man. I have. I have not been really interested in comedy in this. Like, I feel like comedy comes from living and we're not living, we're alive. And so like, it's just like one of those things. Like I'm one of those people that if you get, like if someone dumps you, like I just remove myself in this, from the situation as opposed to putting myself in a situation <laughs> that reminds me I get dumped. It's the same thing with standup. Like I'm not out being funny like I normally am. And so I just don't, I don't watch a whole lot of comedy at all. So I don't, I mean, I might, I'll go into Modern Family every now and again. Cause I think, I think there's really not a whole lot, but you know, I've been watching Cheers. Dude. <laughs> I've, been, I've been going to sleep on Cheers on Netflix. And it's got- oh. Oh man, it's off air. It's undeniably funny, but then some things is it's just like, all right, this didn't really stand up through the test of time. But for the most part, Cheers. Is I great. um, I started to rewatch Cheers recently, and and then I started to think about. I'll tell you off air something Cheers related. I don't want to give it away. On um, what this? Why? How do you uh, have, how do you have Kilgallen's Pub? Were we supposed to be like friends, recreating the scene if we're in the bar? All right, all right. I'll be like you telling me, I'll tell you outside on an Uber home about what happened about Cheers. Share it. All right, I don't want anyone to steal this idea, okay? Oh, it's an idea. It's a, yeah, I'm writing a thing that's Cheers related. Okay, then that's cool. That's different. That's different. It's a little different. It's a good good idea. Real story. And we're broadcasting live. It's not a story, story. but I'll say this. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I'll say this. I, um, in regards to Cheers, though, here's something in regards to Cheers. I think that it is easily the greatest first episode of a show ever. The greatest pilot episode I've ever seen of any TV show, maybe comedy, is, is Cheers, as far as the sitcom goes. Because it was that, that first episode is so hilarious, because they nail what being in a bar is like. Yeah. When they have the scene where they're talking about like what's the sweatiest movie of all time, which is such a dumb conversation. Right, right. And then um Diane's like snobby, 
like professor guy that ends up leaving her in the episode, he comes back in. He's like, Oh, cool hand Luke. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, they all just like, that was that, that happens in bars. I've seen yeah, that shit sure. where a stranger chimes in and, and Sam's funny as hell. And the whole idea of this episode, this is so vivid in you. The first episode of cheers. I watched it recently. Okay. All right, listen, fuck it. I'm going to give the idea out. I'm already starting on the script. If anyone beats me to the script, they could have it. Oh, I'm that, that White Claw is bringing out his truths. It is, man. I got to open up the next one. I'm writing a prequel to Cheers about Sam Malone as a Major League Baseball player, alcoholic womanizer set in the 1970s. You know how that Sam's backstory is that he was he pitched for the Red Sox and alcoholism ruined his career and then he bought the bar. So that's the backstory. Obviously, it's a long shot to be made because I'll have to get in contact with the producers and, and someone has to bite on it and all that kind of stuff. But I think it'd be a cool idea to see this womanizing alcoholic baseball player. And period pieces are cool. Nostalgia's big right now, as we know. We're about to talk about Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. So I, I think that's a you good idea there. Was prequel? Are you going to cut it in the 70s or are you just going to? It's going to be set. Well, because Cheers started in what, 1982? So I think yeah. I'm going to have to set it in like the mid to late 70s during Sam's playing career. I just like the idea of an alcoholic womanizing baseball player. Yeah, I'm sure there's not many out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird. sure there's only one or two out there, tops. Yeah, just a couple, a couple dabble in it, right? I'm about to text my son and tell him to bring me up some wine. That's smart, man. Yeah, you're drinking wine. I'm drinking White Claw. Um, people could give me shit about it, but hey, I'm not. I think wine is, a, wine is uh, quality. I really like wine. I love it with food, but I I like I like wine. It doesn't get too heavy. It's good. Like I can. It's got some. It's got versatility. Speaking of heavy, I took a shit earlier. And use my bidet, the bidet that I bought because Kevin Bozeman told me to buy a bidet. It's a game changer. Tell Absolutely. Me a game changer. It if is it, 100% a game changer. You should, you, if you have a bidet, you have the right to look down on people that don't have bidets. You have the right, <laughs> you have the right to act like you're better than them. Yeah, because your asshole is cleaner. Your Whenever. And I have a stool too, so I make sure I put my feet up on a stool because you know, just the, you know, they say you're supposed to put your feet up on a stool. Just yeah, I gotta get a stool. Yeah, yeah, I you get a stool, and then I have that that bidet, and I'm I just feel like I'm better than people because my ass, my shitting techniques is 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 Bruce Lee. It's it's be water, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you have your son? Does he use the bidet too? And, and he, because yeah, that's got to help your height, man. Bidets, it's bidets in my bathrooms. I don't have just one. I got, yeah, a couple of bidets. Like, it's, yeah. it's you got to have my wing. Why wouldn't you, you want to wash your asshole out? Like, why, like, why when you have it? And it's not, it's the thing, Joe, it's not expensive. People make it seem like it's expensive, but it's not. It's, it's just. Not. It's just the excuse me, Amazon like sixty bucks. I think I got mine for yes, and it's easy to install. It's no, it's it was not super easy. Thing. Just get a bidet. Just and get a bidet. What a fucking advantage your son has because if I'm shooting free throws and my asshole is the cleanest on the court, I'm way more confident than anyone else on the court. Should be. You could throw your underwear in the laundry room and not hide them under a towel. 
like I used to do when I was playing. Oh man, I'd get a wet fart when I played for some reason. Only time I ever had wet farts was when I was playing basketball. One of those ones where you're like, oh man, thank God we were never, we we wear navy blue shorts, you know? Oh Jesus, that's man. sharp, my man. That's not a wet fart. That's a sharp. I mean, you know, a little fart that gives a little bit of a, like a little bit like you know. It's, don't it's don't think I'm being rude by being on the phone and checking messages. I'm literally texting my son to bring me a drink. No, absolutely, man. Just you know, hey, checking in everyone live. Uh, Ryan Grant, thanks for uh, carrying the chat room right now. You're a good dude. Um, my son's I, on, on a three mile run right now for soccer. That's he plays soccer too, man. Is he goalie no, at six seven? Oh, okay, cool. How many kids do you have again? Three. Three. I've got two. Um, and that I think is enough. You want more to sit? You throw it in the towel? I I don't know. So we're gonna revisit it in like a year or two, the conversation. Um, you know, it's 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 tough because I love it, but right now I'm so exhausted because you know, again, stay at home dad. You, oh, so I, I, don't, I could I could no. Like that's because well, yeah. that's such a that's such a 360 transition. You going from being out and working and being out and about in a nightclub and to come home to, to stay at home and, and shit and cereal everywhere and then throwing stuff and yeah, that's I mean sorry. what's sorry buddy. That's not a good life. Well, I mean <laughs> I, I do, I I clean up a lot of shit. Um I have the dog too. I pick up her shit. So I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, both boys, a six-year-old female dog, a bitch. <laughs> it's a dad joke. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's great. But then there are times where I'm like, Oh fuck, it's hard. But when I get them on the same nap schedule, it's the best. Cause they're both good nappers. The one-year-old needs two naps. The three-year-old needs one nap. But he'll yeah. take a solid three and a half, three, sometimes a four hour nap midday. And, um, Gosh. I, yeah, they're great nappers. And when I was, cause I was still stay at home dad, basically, luckily my wife, she's off like three days a week as a nurse. Cause she works those 12 hour shifts. Um, but you know, with the whole quarantine and the COVID thing, I'm getting no help from grandparents and aunts and whatnot. So yeah. it's just me all the time where before I could get a little bit like, Oh, I could drop them off over here for like half a day and I, I could yeah. get a little sleep. I'm getting more sleep now, which is the only change in my life, essentially. Because with comedy, like you were saying, you know, you know, I'll be doing community show with you, have a few Guinness with and Jameson with you and like Danny Callis and Marty DeRose afterwards. I'm getting home by like 12 31 a.m. And then the kids are waking up at like six. Mm -hmm. And that that was tough. I was getting a good four hour sleep. You're not waking up sharp. No, not at all. I was getting about four, four and a half hours sleep for a good like eight months. And I was still turning out a lot of new material, turning it out. And I remember getting a little cocky going, dude, once I start getting seven, eight hours sleep again, it's fucking over for you guys. And then I started getting seven, eight hours sleep again, and there's no comedy. <laughs> so it's like, it, helps it literally is over for you guys. It helps that you are part of the uh, best stage in Chicago with the uh, uh, Media Snow, man. Hell yeah, dude. I um, Oh, fucking very great. I, very I, don't do it, I don't do it a whole lot, but I love the stage. Yeah, man, we always have you whenever you can. I mean, I, you're on the road a lot, so I understand why it's tough. It's uh, I've filmed all three of my hours there. For the next one, I'm going to do a different room just for a different background and all that. Absolutely, it's just, I have to. But there's such a, we made the room look different last time. I don't know if you've seen the clips of my latest one. Um, everyone's watching on YouTube. Go ahead and check them out. Yeah, and I um, we we lit up the curtain in blue, so the curtain was like black and blue. We put like stage lights on to brighten the like 
put lights on the curtain. So that looked cool. We had no sign down. We extended the black curtain over a bunch of other, other stuff. So it looked darker throughout. Um, we set the cameras in different angles. So I think to a lot of people watching, they wouldn't be like, oh, that's the same room. But it's it's similar enough where I think a lot of people are like, oh, I think that's the same room. I don't think people really give a shit as long as it's funny. I think that's all they care about. Right. But I definitely want a different audience. I tried to film like a sneak one up at the Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton when I was headlining there in like November. So yeah, like, they, got oh, a great setup. they got a great setup. But um, the dude I had film it, nice guy, uh, but he kind of sold me. He made it seem like I said, here's what I want it to look like. You may match this quality and match this. And he was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, easily. And then he said, why would they say anything else? I know. Why do fucking people, can't people just admit when they don't know how to do something? It doesn't make me. They need that. You got to, it's up to us though to be like, all right, cool. Just show me some of the things you've done. And let me see what your, what your other work is. Like, cause everybody's going to tell you they can do it. Why would they not tell you that they can't do it? So that's, you just you have to assume that they can't do it until they show you or you get somebody who's, who's where you just supremely trust. Well, he refunded me half, which was nice. Um, oh, really, wow. was that bad? He refunded you? Well, I didn't use it. I mean, it was bad. I didn't use it at all. It wasn't clear. I mean, it was just like the angles saw. I remember even being nervous day of because I was like, Hey, don't we have to like do some checks and shit like that? He's like, no, nah, guy, you know, I usually shoot like this and this. And then I realized I'm like, oh, dude, we're different. This is different levels here, man. I can't put this stuff up there because my quality's all been. It's like going from watching all your, you know, you're watching NFL Sunday in 4K, and then you're going to a bar with a fucking analog television, and you're like, yeah. what am I doing? I can't watch this. Was that, that a fumble or did a fan throw something on the field? What happened? Yeah. You know, it's fun to play Techno Bowl, but like, I don't want to go back to those graphics from my regular television. Yeah. You know, I look at it that way. It's nuts. Um, all right. Well, now that we're on sports, fuck it, man. Let's go right to this. I want to see if I can get some people on um, on Facebook to be all like, fuck it. I, want, I know some assholes are going to get into the debate about that because uh, I want to talk about your top 25 list. And I'm, yeah. I'm real curious to see if. Um, Sorry about that, guys. This is not a good podcast right now. I'm trying to share something on another page. Um, I want to – do you have your top 25 list ready? Like, or not ready, but, like, yeah, can you look it up I, real quick? That way I could, like, reference I know, it. I, I you know, know? All right, cool. I um, made my top 25 list, so I know my, my – All right, cool. Just just give 25 through 20. I'm not going to debate you on those ones. And then, um, then I'll kind of – I just read off – I'm not going to say this. Yeah, name a few – outside like your top 10 that you thought maybe were top 10 because i know you at eight through 11 were a little tough for you no my toughest my toughest omission was my hardest was uh working out eight through 11 and uh i always call kobe bryant top 10 but i had him at 11 so that was like that was like my toughest that was just like my toughest one but he he and you know that I mean, when he died, man, I'm telling you, I was driving from, uh, I was driving from uh, Dubuque, Iowa to Davenport, Iowa on a Sunday. And then, you know, I'm driving on my phone on Twitter, like most drivers do. (laughs) And I saw it and then I was just like, that is bullshit. Because I was listening I was listening to ESPN on the radio and they had mentioned it. 
And then a couple other things popped up. And then when he died, I, man, I bawled. Like I cried hard that day up until showtime. And then I cried on the way, on the way home because, you know, that dude was a, I'm a big sports fan. You know this. And so that dude yeah. was, and basketball is like my thing. And that dude was a part of my life for 25 years. Like I saw him being an arrogant asshole to someone I couldn't stand to being like, I could tolerate that dude. I like what he's turned into and then just like gone. And then, you know, being a father and then finding out his daughter was in it. It was all those things just kept, it just kept being another layer. So I hate not calling them top 10, but putting them outside of my top 10 was the hardest thing. I think my top 11 players in totality was easy. The easiest thing was ranking one and two. My number one and number two players, just my philosophy of it, that was, that was a no-brainer for me. But Explain what you wanted to do to, to be in the GOAT conversation, greatest of all time. You had like a criteria. Could you break that down real quick for everyone? So my criteria for ranking like my my top 25 is basically uh, who can win me the most championships in any era. I can build a team around that person, that dude to win me the most championships. So once I got number one off there, so if you took number one off the list, then who can win me the most? If you took yeah. number two off the list, then who can win me the most? So it's basically that. I factor in nothing else. I don't know where all of these crazy – algorithms coming in where they're trying to do it. I know where it is. It's if you want, if someone has achieved more than another person and you want to give that person, move them up. So you have to discredit that person, right? Yeah. You have to say what that person did doesn't count. So you have to discredit them to justify moving that person up. And I guess at some point I did that because there's some people that have better bodies of work than others. So I factored in, all sorts of things, but I explain why they were great, but then I explain why they weren't higher. I think that might be the different thing that I did on anybody else's list. It's like, I go, this guy is great. Here's why he's not higher. That's what I liked, actually. That stuck out to me. Uh, this guy, Brian Kenny, who's an MLB network analyst, yeah. he wrote a book, and the and he's also a boxing guy, too. He's, he's good. I like what he does. He uh, his book was really interesting because he looked at like statistics in a cool way. But then he also, when it came to the Hall of Fame, he said, "I'll, I'll never say why a person shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because look, this is these people worked hard. They're obviously in the conversation. They've got family. I don't want to ever, you know, there's just no need for that. I'll only give a case for why someone should be in the Hall of Fame, never why they shouldn't be. So when you were saying like, here's why they're not higher, that's what stuck out to me because everyone's read a million lists." There's no. lists all over the fucking place. And there's never very, very few contexts, like context explaining. So then when I got, I changed, so it went from why it's not higher, but then when I got to the top five, I switched to why it's not higher to why he's not the greatest of all time. Because I believe the top five, you're going to consider them to be the greatest of all time. So like I have magic at five and like the biggest, the thing that I held magic back the most was like, you know, he, no one had her no one had easier teams to play with than magic like you know the lakers the lakers that's what i say like those those organizations matter we talk about 
Like I admit that Kevin Garnett, where I had him at, Kevin Garnett could be higher if he played with an organization like the Lakers, but he didn't. He played for Minnesota all those years. But then when he got to the Celtics, you were like, oh, what? This dude is different than what we thought when we only saw him one, two times a year on TNT and at the 930 game, even though they played in Minnesota, but they was Western Conference. Yeah. And we saw them. But I remember the one year that he did have a squad, he gave Shaq and Kobe all they could handle. And it wasn't until Sam Cassell got hurt that they faltered in. So I was giving out little things that people just disregarded. But because I'm such a sports fan and because I'm a gambler, I got different takes than everyone. So I was able to just cover a lot of things that people that don't gamble wouldn't cover that I could point out and be like, no, this should have happened, but it didn't happen. So well, with Garnett, was- I'm a big Garnett fan. He's one of my favorite players um, because he's got like, he's got an intensity about him. Um, those early Minnesota teams were pretty fun. The one with him and Stefan Marbury and who was the one dude, um, Tom Gugliotta, I think. Right. He had a nice couple yeah, seasons there. Gugliotta, Wally Zerbiak. Yeah. Joe Smith. Then when Marbury left, he got Terrell Brandon. Those those dudes were decent, but you ain't gonna win a championship with with those dudes as you're as you're building the team around. You know, they yeah, were first round exits time. every time. They were first round exits every time. So, but like I admit, like you asked me, I go, yeah, Garnett could be higher, but I, this is the information that I have. And I here's my what the one golden rule that I had was if you didn't win at least two championships, you can't be in the top ten. So uh, let me cut you off real quick there because modern, not modern, but like today's NBA fan who's you know 17 years old or 22 years old, this is the argument I see a lot on Twitter. They go championships are a team accomplishment, so it shouldn't matter. Why does it now? I want you, Kevin Bozeman, to explain to people why winning a ring in basketball matters when it comes to all time greatness. Well, it's simple. For one, there's way less players on the court than anybody else. There's five. Two, they're on the court way more. So, as great as Tom Brady is, Tom Brady goes out and kills it. He's only killing it for 32 of the 60 minutes. Yep. So he still needs his defense to and win. And in baseball, you can't put the best hitter up whenever you want. Right, right. So, and, yeah. and and you can pitch around him. Exactly, yeah. And you can pitch around him. Like, you know, that steroids, Barry Bonds, they was just like, base is loaded, we'll walk him. We'll give up a <laughs> one. I've done the math, guys, and one is less than four. <laughs> I won that game. They intentionally walked with the bases loaded. They gave on a run. Here, come on in. And they still won. It was a fucking genius move. It really was. Right. But yeah, yeah. You can't it's, do that in basketball. That's smart. Follow guy, but but with basketball, they they will a lot of times they guard the toughest players, and it's they. And here's the thing about it: that's different for basketball, football, and baseball is when you have a superstar in basketball, you build your team around that superstar. Yes. So you go. This is the guy, and what's what makes superstars great is. Most of the time scoring, what they say is on the superstar is like, look, 
if you play me conventionally, I'm going to destroy you. And so then those teams start going, sending double teams in different looks. So then you start filling in the gaps of what those other players can do, which is why so many teams have spot up shooters on their team because they create those, those mismatches. So the superstar in basketball, I always say is the most in, in terms of winning championships it's the most important player because if you look at the history of the NBA, besides maybe that 2004 Pistons team that won because of the dysfunctional Los Angeles Lakers where Kobe and Shaq was beefing, every team's got a first ballot, surefire Hall of Famer on there. And that's yeah, not true for any other sport. One exception, yeah. Right? It's not true. Like for football, you know, Trent Dilfer won. You know, you can, whoever your take is with Eli Manning. Brad Johnson won. Nick Foles won. So you can talk about quarterbacks being great, but there are other ways to win football games than having a dominant quarterback. Yeah, that's a great point because in the last basketball, it's not that's not, not the case. You no, have definitely not. In the last thirty years of basketball, there's been one team to win a title without a true superstar: the '04 Pistons. In football, it feels like once every four years, a bullshit, you know, barely top twenty-five quarterback wins. You're Trent right. Dilfer. You're Nick Foles, right? There's always see like um, Joe Flacco, Eli right. Manning, right. Uh, you know. And you, you so know, like, it doesn't happen like best. Brady, like the 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 first Super Bowl he won, that was his defense. You know, they only yeah they up, won that game seventeen fourteen. Right, they only gave up a minimal points to the Rams. Even like the one against, uh, even the one against uh, Atlanta. Atlanta should have won that Super Bowl. That was just horrible play calling. And then that dude did the same thing. I, uh, when he was playing against uh, Seattle, Kyle Shanahan, he did no. Kyle Shanahan did the same thing when oh. was last year with San Fran against against uh, uh, Kansas City. It's like, dude, you gotta you got a big lead. You gotta you gotta run the ball a little bit. Though. You gotta <laughs> like, yeah, there's no need to go in panic mode. And they do so, this bad combo where they're just so afraid. Though that won Tom Brady the Super Bowl, it's just like, dude, you, there's so many things you need. And football, even special teams count. But when basketball, it's a 48-minute game, and those dudes are on the court for 40 minutes, and there's only five of them. There is no denying that the superstar dictates who wins the championship, which is why it's easier for me to put together that list because I got my thoughts, opinions about football. I got my thoughts, opinions about baseball. But it's easier to do with basketball because I know what it takes to win a championship. And, right, they, yeah. and when they lose, it's so easy to point out why they lost. Very true. Very true. I've noticed this too. Well, this was interesting because right after your top 25 list came out, ESPN released a list and everyone was already on the top 10. Your number five was Magic Johnson. Your number four is LeBron James, correct? Yeah. Now, I, I remembered on, I think, ESPN's list, their number four was – um, Bill, Russell. Bill, Bill Russell, which yeah. a lot of people had a problem with. It's garbage. And it's garbage. Yeah, people look at Bill Russell being like he wasn't better than he played with five Hall of Famers or four Hall of Famers. And, right. and, he, and he could have that take. That's fair. 
How was he head to head against guys like I know Wilt put up big numbers against him? He beat them uh, all. This this is what I say about Bill Russell. You either have him either one or two, or you got him like nine or ten. You either say, look at all these dudes he played with, or you go, look what he accomplished. You can't kind of put him in the middle of the road. That's why I felt like they did. They put him in the middle of the road. But this is why I got Jordan and Russell as, as one and two. And my rule is simple is. Uh, they're the only two dudes, and it's really true for all the team sports. I've except you can maybe make a case for Gretzky, except oh, yeah. for the Calgary Flames beat him in 1989, I believe. They're the Jordan and Bill Russell, the only two dudes in team sports that could say these three things I'm the best player in the league, I got my team built around me, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing, right. So how am I going to say that somebody is better than those two when I've seen that somebody have the best player, have to be the best player in the league, have their team built around them, and still lose? Yeah, that's it's, – It's just – to me, that seems to be the most logical thing. It's like I've seen LeBron James. I've seen Tom Brady be the best player in the league. Have his team built around me. There's my homeboy, Death It's a good song right there. I got to get mine to do that. Uh, yeah, that's, what, that's the only reason to have kids. Yeah, right? So they're to get up off the chair. Thanks up to you while you talk to your homies. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so, so how can you I get a, Tom Brady? I'm sorry. What's that? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Why would I – like Tom – I've seen Tom Brady do that. In every team sport, I've seen like, oh, that's the best player in the league. Right, that that dude, you know, LeBron won sixty six games, lost sixty one games, lost fifty eight games, lost sixty games, lost. It's just like okay, like you can't keep saying to me he didn't have a squad. <laughs> I know. I I, 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 I don't share and, this. I'll share this with you when we get to the point because I keep teasing it of why. Of, of LeBron James and why people view his teams as bad. There is a reason for it. Okay. Well, I would like – yeah, I'm excited for that too because I, I know <laughs> you, you You always you always are able to – whenever I talk basketball with you where I'm like, shit, that's new, and I didn't even think of it quite that, that way. And I'm, you had a real interesting one about LeBron before. LeBron is such an interesting guy because, you know, we were talking earlier about how tough Jordan's life was because he couldn't do anything. You know, look at Jordan's crew, right? We were talking about – you're saying you wouldn't want to drink with Jordan. Think about the people Jordan hung out with. Jordan's best friends were security guards. Yeah. But that yeah, security dude with the weird long hair, that guy with the weird, like, hair yeah. that did the – that was yeah, the meme. Yeah, uh, right, yeah. That, that guy was legitimately one of his best friends. We used to do that all the time growing up, flipping quarters on the sidewalk. We would go to the second with a, the – you know where the concrete slabs are, and then there's the line where they land up the, the slabs now. Sure, so yeah. The quarters to the second line to see who can get it closest. But sometimes we would do it up against the wall to see who can get up closest up against the wall. That's the game Jordan was playing. It's basically flipping quarters to see who can get closest to. I think I wall. figured it was something like that. I used to yeah. play like I had a friend with a pool table in his basement, and we would like you know roll the ball and whoever could get it closest without touching the rail. You play that one with pool balls. I used to play dice. We play dice in the alley for like dollar bills. Yeah, of course. And, and like six or seven kids, we'd go around the block from the school right after school, and and throw them off the this. There was a brick uh, garage right off a long avenue there, and we'd throw them right off of that, that shit. 
Yeah, Fun. dude, it's, it's just a way of, I mean, people love to gamble. We used to, when growing up, we used to go and and go to the bowling alley and gamble against the uh, the gang, the gang bangers, eight of betters, what, what the best one. What the, what the bets were. If you bowl an eight on your first row, you know, you won. If you didn't, you lose. And they were like straight up the thugs in our hood. And we gambled. They would bet against us rolling the ball. And if you were good, they would push it to nine or better. If you, if oh, you roll, give you odds. Yeah, right. It was just, it was always, it was always gambling. But we're getting what was the name of the gang? Real quick. No, I don't want to get back to it yet. What was the name of the gang? I'm curious. <laughs> what? We were just bowling. So we were bowling. Oh, no, but you said against the gangbangers. What was the name of the gang, I said? Oh, Black Gangsters, Disciples. Okay, cool. So I'm always a little curious. Folks. Folks. I was talking about, did you remember the gang, the Royals? The Royals? There was no. a gang called the Royals. Uh, they were more like towards Bridgeport. I'll never forget this. My dad was for the Shower Park District on the top side. And uh, I think they were no, they weren't black. They were Hispanic mostly, I believe. But these dudes were all wearing Royals hats, and I was like six or seven at the park that he was working at, and they were like, you know, off on their side. There's a bunch of them that were wearing Royals hats, and I'm like, Sox Park is like right by there. Why are, aren't these? Shouldn't they be White Sox fans? And I was obsessed with baseball cards, so I knew the Royals and the White Sox had like a little bit of a rivalry. I like. Why are they? Do they all like George Brown? Why are they wearing Royals hats? And my dad was like, "No, it's a gang. They're called the Royals." <laughs> I always, I remember that stuck with That's me. That's not George Brett, you idiot. Get in the yeah. car. <laughs> Stop trying to get his autograph. Oh no, no, my dad was not afraid That's of them at all. My dad was, dude, my dad was feared at these parks. I'm not kidding you. My dad was a dude who should have been promoted to like way higher, but they always offered him these promotions at at like rough parks. Because they hit a reputation. My dad's a big guy. He's like 6'4", big shoulders, you know what I mean? And um, What did he do? He worked for the Chicago Park District. So he, he was Joe Clark of Chicago Park Districts? Remember his basically, Clark, you know me? Was, you know who my dad was? He was the white Leroy Brown, but he didn't get his ass kicked at the end of the song. Bad, bad, kill gallon? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, he just people – my dad played hockey in college. He was a good athlete, but he was fast. He was like deceptively fast. I always worry that if I ever got into a fight, I would almost rather fight an MMA fighter than um, a hockey player. Because I know, I know, I know for a fact that they can probably take my first punch. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's disheartening when you fight. If you fight and someone can take your punch, that's not good because eventually, they're going to get a, a shot in on you. And they, you know what I'm saying? Like a hockey player, they could take, I believe they can take a punch. An MMA fighter, they know how to fight, but you get lucky and get them with a punch and knock them out. But a hockey dude, losing teeth, all of that, they that's I don't think that's a thing. So I would rather I wouldn't want to fight either one of them to be yeah, sure. No, definitely not. I would take an MMA fighter over somebody like Bob Probert. Right? Yeah, those I'm dudes not, are just built yeah. differently, some of those guys, you know? Yeah, that um, was there just to fight. Yeah. Uh, that was his that's how he had a career. Just get get hit and hit back. Yo, yeah. Make sure that if anybody get a little loose, you knock them out, intimidate them. And people didn't want to fight that dude, so you don't think he had an effect on that game? Dude, hockey players have all come from like I think a lot of it's it's a cold weather sport. Um 
you know, the, the Canadian ones, they grew up in that kind of like frigid Canadian, like this working class where, and it's still an expensive sport, especially in America. I don't know. I can't, I feel like subsidizes it, but it's an expensive ass sport. It's really expensive. So I feel like some of the hockey parents are like, if I'm going to fucking. Their, it's part of their tuition for school. Yeah, I think it is actually, right? <laughs> yeah, those little skates. You, you gotta <laughs> Yeah, man, I got to get my pads. I got to wash yeah. my pads. I got a helmet, uh, mouth guard. So I think it's an expensive sport. So the parents of hockey players are like, oh, oh your ankle hurts? Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm paying $500 fucking dollars. Right. You're going to skate on a bad ankle. So they just get tough. Yeah. The, the stories of hockey players every year, well, not this year, but every year when the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs go on at the same time, I love both. And when you're watching, I know the first couple of rounds of the NBA playoffs kind of suck, but when you're watching both, it always happens on Twitter where they go, hockey player, fucking 17 stitches, like tore his hamstring, skate broke, like his art, you know, he had an artery they had to shut off, like, you know, collapsed lung. Um, lost an eyeball, like obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit here, still plays. No, no, you're not. You're exaggerating a little bit. A little bit. Knocked <laughs> his teeth out. And then meanwhile, they'll show like fucking a, a, the meme of LeBron James being carried out because it was too hot. <laughs> it was too yeah, hot. Right, you know, yeah. you uh, and it's you funny, a, you know. Are you a LeBron fan? No, look, here's my thing. I do like LeBron James. I When they beat Golden State, I was rooting for them so hard. I watched game seven at my buddy Ryan Dalton's place in L.A., surrounded by um, a lot of Cleveland people who lived in L.A. but were from Cleveland, yeah. and I was rooting for them. And I do like a lot of LeBron, but I hate his fucking fans. Do you know how, like, Hillary supporters in 2016 were like, I like Bernie, but I hate Bernie supporters. That's yeah. their whole thing. That's right. how I feel about LeBron. I think LeBron is a great human being. He's a is like a, a, a great player. He's dynamic in a lot of ways, fun to watch, but also frustrating to watch because I feel like there's more he could do. I feel like he's I, one of those dudes, right? I know you probably I agree with me. go into that. I went Let me go into this real quick, though. I noticed about him, and what I loved about you is you talked about how he cares about his brand, and he fucking does. Yep. He has this thing where – People will say LeBron's got to attack more. He's got to take control. So then the next game, he'll spend the whole first half driving to the basket, being like, I'm going to dominate. I'm going to take control like they said I couldn't. And then he burns himself out. And then the second half, he's looking for his teammates to contribute. But they're like, hey, dickhead, we spent the last first half watching you play because you didn't include us. And now you're including us, but we're fucking cold because we weren't shooting the first two quarters. And now we're bricking, and you're looking at us like it's our fault. And it's like, hey, man, he doesn't know what lever to pull because it's either I'm going to be the guy that's passing all the time. And then it's like, hey, dude, you got to fucking score the basket, too. You're great. Or he's the guy that's scoring all the time and doesn't. And then when he gets to that game, he starts to fill in the check. He starts to pad it. I really do believe he he pads his stats. I think he looks to well-rounded stats. I do. Which which is going to bring me to now my big reveal on, on Killer Gallus. But I, I big don't reveal. Here's the big reveal of why, of why LeBron's teams – are so bad when he leaves because his teams aren't built in a traditional sense. Like take, for example, everyone's argument is like, you know, when Jordan left, you know, the Bulls the next year, Scottie Pippen, BJ Armstrong, Horace Grant made it to the all-star team and LeBron's team was shit. And my, my argument is always like, 
take basketball out of the equation, just keep it whatever business. Would you rather have your foreman be lead his floor people to great heights, and then when he leaves, they still perform at a high level, or would you rather have a foreman that takes his team to not as great heights, and when they leave, they all fall apart? But the reason why they fall apart is because they're building around LeBron James, which is what we talked about building around a superstar. But the teams that the the team the team that he requires to succeed is dysfunctional as a team. Like Jordan's, like, give me a point guard that can hoop, give me a small forward that can hoop, give me a power forward that can hoop, give me a center that can hoop. I'll make it work as long as they can hoop. But LeBron James needs shooters. All his team needs shooters. So when you get Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, James Jones, Mike Miller, all those that can shoot, right? Ray Allen. Old school Ray Allen. Not prime Ray Allen, but older, older Ray Allen. But what they can't do is create their own shot. So whenever he's off the court, they struggle to score because they don't have anyone. And it's hard for them to get a point guard because he – people always talk about how unselfish he is. But to me, on a team concept, he's arguably the most selfish because he demands to bring the ball up all the time. I watched the game, and they got rid of Isaiah Thomas. This is when Isaiah Thomas with Cleveland. They had Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose, and Isaiah Thomas grabbed a rebound, and he got the ball, and Isaiah Thomas just bounced the ball back in Fury to LeBron James because LeBron James would bring the ball up the court. Imagine you're a five-eight point guard, and all you've done is yeah. one point guard your entire life. And at that point, they're going, no, 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 LeBron will bring it up. So they have to – everyone – if you think about every superstar that played with him, the first thing they do is talk about how they had to change their game depending on LeBron. Remember Dwayne Wade was like, I have to take a step back. Kevin Love was like, I have to figure out what play with LeBron. All these dudes have to figure out. That's why I also say, even though Anthony Davis and Dwayne Wade was the most talented, Kyrie Irving was his best teammate because Kyrie Irving did all the things that LeBron needed somebody to do. Kyrie was like, what do you want me to do? Spot up, shoot a three? You want me to create my own shot? I can do that. Check. I can do that. Check. I can also get people involved because guess what? I'm a point guard, which is also why Kyrie Irving bounced. He was like, dude, I'm a point guard. So all of his teams are dysfunctional when he leaves because they don't fit as a whole. LeBron, to his greatness, makes those teams fit. But when he leaves, there's not a well-put-together team. But Jordan's like, yo, I'm going to show you how it's done. This is how you ball. This is how you compete. And when he bounces, everybody's like, this is how you ball. This is how you compete. So they know how to do it. But that other squad is like, who's going to create a shot? J.R. Smith? No. <laughs> who's going to create a shot? J.R. Smith? Mike Miller? None of those dudes. They all fall into this LeBron. He's almost like a, a, a crack dealer where he's like, if you open, for sure, I'll get you to rock. But then when he leaves, they don't have anybody else on the team that can get them to rock. Anybody that can create shots for them. So they're all dysfunctional. They don't know how to hoop because it's not a well-put-together team. It's a well-put-together team for LeBron. If you look at every 
team that, that LeBron's looking for, like the Lakers, they're like, dude, LeBron needs somebody, somebody else that can handle the rock. We need, they need somebody else. That's always a fault in this team. They need somebody else to create shots for them because he is so ball dominant. You never see anyone else bring the rock up except for LeBron. Even Scottie Pippen was the point guard, but Jordan would bring the ball up. BJ would bring the ball up. Other dudes would bring the ball up because it wasn't important. But like yeah. you got a shooter here, a shooter there, and the one thing spot up shooters can't do is create their own shots, beat dudes on the dribble. So now they're pigeonholed. Like I'm in the corner, I'm waiting. Well, guess what? You don't have anybody to create for you, so I'm just gonna stand here. And now you can't create. And so when he leaves, his team falls apart, and everybody's like, well, look how shitty his team is. But that's the team that LeBron James wants. So what's a shit team on paper is actually LeBron James' ideal team. And then when he doesn't win, you go, he didn't have enough. No, he had everything that he needed. It just wasn't good enough. I 100% agree. agree. And what kills me – Sorry, I had a little right. sound on there. Uh, what kills me the most is that all these, like LeBron, they call them Bron sexuals on Twitter. Hey, by the way, this is be, they fucking this is get people dude. really involved in our comedy, by the way. <laughs> What's that right now? This is going to get people really into our comedy. Oh, no, I know. We're fucking, dude, we're not, we haven't been, we haven't been funny. This, this, is like we, fucking, this is why we need to stay away from each other. Because, because I know. We, we, we are such sports fans, dude. We're like, fuck comedy, dude. Let's just tell people the way it should be. Uh, we could be a little funny along the way, though. A little bit. A little bit. You were like, who's going who's gonna to create a play? J.R. Smith? You don't hear that shit in, or that stuff if we're auditioning for real radio. Right, you don't right. hear that stuff on sports radio. No. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's such a great insight because – when people say, look at his teams fall apart without him, I'm like, that is that a plus in his column? It tells me that he's a bad leader in a sense, you know? And what I've always killed me is like, like I mentioned on Twitter, all the people are obsessed with LeBron James and they, they coddle. I've never seen someone. Yes. He's been under a lot of pressure. The fact that he was on sports Illustrated in high school and blah, 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 whatever. The thing that kills me is that they stick up for him in a way where I'm like, you don't think he's the GM. He's the GM too. He's telling these teams, do this, do that. He's made himself so valuable that when he came back to Cleveland, the first thing they did, he signed with them after leaving Miami and said, trade for Kevin Love, which always was weird to me because I'm like, why wouldn't you try to groom a guy? Like, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen is a fantastic player. So when I say this, please don't – I don't want people listening being like, I'm taking away from Scottie. But Michael Jordan did help groom him. Of course. Scottie didn't come into the league as an all-star. He came in the league as a guy who needed work. Came as a uh, potential. Scotty came as a prospect, yes. which is which brings us to the question of like in his now seventeenth year, name one player that he took from scratch and made into an all star. It doesn't exist. He, Mo Williams went to an all star, but I mean like a consistent all star. He became perennial. That and I always. Seventeen years, seventeen years, and and four different teams: Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland again, and now LA. And don't say Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving was dropping fifty on people before LeBron even got there. Yeah, if anything, all those numbers. players got there, and they. That's because I'm telling you, LeBron James will absolutely, positively pass the ball to the open man. And that's why somebody had posted before that it's like, 
Uh, which team do you think would be better? And they had like LeBron and Magic Johnson. That was all I needed to see. I was like, the other team? Because yeah. what, do you, what, what do you mean? With, like they're going to be fighting to pass the rock. We're going to have Magic running and then LeBron not hold the rock. That's not how LeBron plays. That being said, I got him at number four, and I think there's a there's a good chance that he'll end at number three. But my one and two, you can't talk me off that ledge. And people, you know, I, I gave four reasons for why I did that that top 25 list. And one of them, selfishly, because I'm a huge Scottie Pippen fan, was to showcase and bring to light how great Pippen was because I had him at number 16. Uh, the other reason was, like, talking about Oscar Robinson and Jerry West, and it was like, you know, people give out, and I use that as an example, like people give out lists, but they, they don't give out real context of like why he's there and why he's not, which we also talked about. Uh, the number one, another reason was talking about Jordan and LeBron, but number two is like, dude, I'm all Bill Russell, man. I put, a, you know, I went and also posted videos of cats doing, you know. I know, I, mean, I love that. I would like, yo, I went out. And then there's that one video where Bill Russell grabbed a rebound, went coast to coast, and literally took off from a foot inside the free throw line and jumped over a dude's hand. I'm like, you don't think that translates now? Like, athleticism is athleticism. But everybody's like, he didn't play anybody. I'm like, look, he beat three dudes in the top 25 uh, while they were still – top 25-ish players. Will, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. Nobody else on that list has that on their resume, except for John Havlicek, who was Bill Russell's teammate. Yeah. And he was the head coach. Like, if you beat everybody, I get if you, like, if you said, with that dude, he did, like, if you took LeBron James and put him in that era, what's LeBron going to do? Win 11 out of 13? That's you can't almost get better than that. And Bill Russell was hurt that one year he's hurt. He was one year he lost. He was in the finals and got hurt and didn't finish. That's the year that they lost to Bob Pettit. Like, so that's 11 out of 12 years that he was healthy. And this one year he lost to, he lost to Wilt. And then the next year he came back and beat Wilt. Like, like what can you take away from that? I, like, I know. Yeah, it's just people reaching. I, I have Bill Russell higher than a lot of people do too. Um, yeah, I mean, did people are like, well, Will Chamberlain was the other dominant center, and look at the numbers. Will Chamberlain averaged like thirty points against him and like twenty five rebounds and all this shit. And took L's. I took L's. Yeah, I mean, it's about, at the end of the day, yeah. it's about winning. You know, what I mean, it is about yeah. winning. And if you want to do head to head comparisons, here's a lot of stuff. Here's a lot of shit people don't know or, or even think about. Do you know who Will Chamberlain struggled against? Bill Walton. Bill Walton. Yeah, didn't Bill Walton? And, and, no, no, I'm thinking, thinking of Bill Walton. Um, <laughs> I was no, Kareem, Kareem and Bill Walton. Got, it's your podcast, and I got love for you. That's why I was like, Bill Walton. <laughs> no, I know. I'm glad you said that. I meant I was, dude. I, I was in I, the problem right now too is I get into multiple arguments and I forget which thread I'm on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you've been drinking White Claw, so I can see. Well, yeah, it's the White Claw. Actually, fuck White Claw. I'm drinking a Miller Light now. White Claw, hey, more, more alcohol than the Miller Light. I switched to Maker's Mark, so. Night. Oh, dude, I had a bottle of Makers recently, and I fucking took out, took care of it, though. Um, you, wait, how far do you live from me? Can we just get together and just hang, bring your kids over? I'd love to. Once the shit gets lifted, the only reason I – dude, I've been on, like, extreme lockdown. That's I – um, dude, I went to 
Yeah. Your wife is a nurse. You got to be on extreme lockdown. Yeah, because one of us can't afford to get it, obviously. It'll, it'll, it'll be bad for everybody involved. Yeah. And she's working with people who have it. Yep. So I have, um, I, I did go to Target for the first time a couple days ago, like a week ago, I left the house. I was finally like, let me, I wore a mask, gloves, Lysol wipes. I had hand sanitizer in my pocket, uh, but I've left the house once since March 11th or 12th, literally one time. Yeah. I've, well, I've walked my dog around a couple blocks. I'll walk my dog around like a couple block radius, but I, that was my first time in a car. My car, I haven't even driven because I, I, I started it the other day to make sure it could still start. So I started every now and then. But um, the back tires flat. Haven't haven't fixed that yet. Um, yeah, I've been on extreme lockdown because I've had like our buddy Jonah Jerkins texted me a couple days ago, going, "Hey," or maybe two days ago, going, "Hey, I'm having the best drinker in Chicago." Yeah, as he likes to say. Although I know here's the difference, though. I've seen him get like sleepy. I think Jonah's a good drinker, but Jonah will hit a, a hit that wall where it's just like there was. A, you asked me the last time I got into a fight. I told you about the time. Megan gave his bachelor party. The other time before that was after the Laugh Factory Christmas party or holiday party, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we went down to Big Sur or something, right? A, a rapist? There was some creepy dude that was putting some pe- stuff in people's drink at the Laugh Factory. I, I, I wasn't like privy to that, what was going on to that. But um, after the party, like it around, it ended there at like 1231. We all went to Big City Tap, you know, down the street or Big Shit, yeah. whatever people like to call it. Right. And uh, it's a bar in Lakeview neighborhood, everyone who's listening across the country. And every every city has a douchey bar like this, but it's open to 4 a.m. I uh, was having fun and everyone, but this dude got really fresh with our buddy Danny Callis' girlfriend, Angelia, who works at Laugh Factory yeah. her to death. Right. And I was just like, what the fuck's going on? And then he shoved Joe, the bartender from Laugh Factory, from behind. And so then I lost and just fucking grabbed him. And, and, you know, you get like almost like an offensive lineman. You got it. You almost want to get underneath the armpits when you fucking yeah. shove it, dude. And, he, you know, he knocked a table over and all this stuff. And then a big brawl happened where like the you know, bouncers came in and there's a whole thing. Jonah, people were falling at his feet. And then the next day he was like, I kind of remember people falling down by me. And I'm like, dude, you're an over, you're overrated when it comes to drinking. Jonah Jerkins, you are. Uh, look, look, you're you're good. You're very, very good. You're very good. You're very good at what you do, but but yeah, yeah everybody's like Jonah can Jonah could drink and he's able to Jonah can drink and, and then the next day he'll go work out. I go, that's fine, but I'm focusing on the now. Let's you yes. in my in my now you'll probably get me because I just don't. But in my day when I was like day drinking, I would me and the comic, I would we would go to Buffalo Wild Wings and run a hundred dollar tab at Buffalo Wild Wings and get like six wings between us, and then <laughs> and then go and do two shows and get shit face on those shows, and then I would go out and drink like that night, and then sh- wake up the next day and do the same shit. You ain't fading that dude. This dude, this dude, yes, I reluctantly, I don't want to win that time, but we're not. Was drinking like I had shit to prove. Everybody was like, Jonah's such a great drink. I was like, dude, no one has told me any epic Jonah drinking stories except that he still gets up and works out when he goes. Like, I got love, <laughs> nothing but love for you, Jonah, but <laughs> I love this too because we're pipping in this this conversation. Fuck yeah, man. There's always a thing I've noticed when there's stupid ass debates like this that make me go, wait a minute, that's not a point in their favor. 
<laughs> I'm talking about the right now. That's like, dude, he gets drunk, but then the next day he's fine. Oh, so he doesn't get hangovers. How yeah. good is he the night of? It reminded me of this one fucking kid. There was this kid that, like, I think it was senior year of high school. There was a big fight that went down by the fucking Harlem Blue Line stop. And that kid, the kid got his ass kicked. And everyone was later like, I can't remember the kid's name, Chris something or other, but maybe. Yeah. And they're like, and then like six months later, I almost got into it with some with him, but then like you know, it calmed down. And someone's like, dude, that Chris guy's pretty tough. And I'm like, why do people keep saying that? And they're like, dude, he gets into a lot of fights. I'm like, yeah, but he loses them all. He loses. <laughs> How the fuck are you? You're not tough. Courageous, maybe. Balls. He's got no, balls. You're tough not tough if you lose. You can be tough if you lose and you can get up and shake it off. But you can't. But like. Share so me I shouldn't fight him, you know? It's telling me that a fat guy can eat a lot means nothing. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, right? like, if you, if, you, if you show me a guy who's in shape and he's crushing food and he's like, this dude, he's like this every day and he's in shape, that's impressive. But if you tell me a guy is tough, I'm not saying he's not tough. But to your point, if he keeps losing, then what are you, like, what, what are we celebrating? Yeah, the, he the people around me brought it up like, you know, he's tough. You might not want not a, you might not want to fight him. And I'm like, but every fight I've I saw him get his ass kicked once, and I've and I've heard other stories where he gets his ass kicked. So that's not like a thing where I'm worried about him. And it, it reminded me of like what you were saying before with like Jonah, who we love. Everyone's like, dude, he's a great drinker. He he exercises the next day. Like that's your fucking that's the thing. No, how, how, many, how much shit can you put away? Like, why would I, for one, why would I want to hang out with somebody like that? Yeah. Why do you exercise that? No. Look, right. Jonah is a very good drinker, but the reason everyone started talking about what a great drinker he was, was from my podcast. The very first episode of Kill Gallon's Pub, everyone, yeah. I had Jonah Jerkins and Joe McMahon on. And Jonah was in the middle of like 27 straight days in which he was drunk. Sure. That's nice. But again, if you're getting, you could get drunk 78 days in a row. But if you're getting drunk after five or six drinks, I'm not that impressed. Yeah. Dude, put, put in the fucking work, man. Rack up a bill and still be standing at the end of the day. That, that's my point with that. Listen, this is what I said. I said, I said this. So I go, if we're going to go shot for shot, sure, I'll give it to Jonah because I don't want to be that shot. Pick a number of shots and then let's go on stage and let's see how high functioning we are. That's true yeah. mark of a good comedian drunk. Is that person that could go up on stage and still be like, what? You were drinking? Because there's been so many times we'd be like, oh, man, they put something in your drink. You wasn't drinking all of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a compliment. When people don't believe that you've been drinking, they go, no, no, no. They, they put, they put, they've been watered down in your drinks. No, they haven't. I don't even get shit put in my drinks. It's just straight booze. Yeah, man. You, you go hard with whiskey, which I respect mightily. I love whiskey so much. I do, too. It's great. You know what whiskey means, right? Do you know no. what the word whiskey means? No. It means water of life in Gaelic, which is an Irish, old Irish language. Not old. It's still a language, but they don't speak it, really. It means water of life. Isn't that cool? Yeah, now it is. Yeah. No, I always thought that was cool, that whiskey meant water mm -hmm. of life. Have you ever done the uh, Kentucky? Did, did, um... Did Danny ever tell you when I brought him with me uh, and we did the uh, Kentucky Bourbon Trail? No, but that sounds amazing. Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And we went, we did a couple of them. We did Woodford and then we did Four Roses. But by the time we got to um, 
Wild Turkey. <laughs> we didn't even do the we didn't even do the uh, trail. We was just like, we'll be here to do the shots when you guys are ready. And then we did all, we did four of the seven on the bourbon trail and did still did a show that night. That's amazing. See, that's that's the TV show I'm going to do. When live comedy comes back, we're going to film a pilot of comedians getting drunk as shit all day and then seeing how well they perform at night, almost like a competition. That should be the that'd be the real last comic stand that everyone wants to watch. The last, the real last comic stand. Real last comic standing. Hell yeah, man. All right, let's get back to the basketball list real quick. I don't want to hold you too long. We're both dads and all that stuff. Um so I, I like what you said with LeBron. Like his fans, again, they coddle him in the way where they always make excuses for his losses. And, and again, I do like LeBron. He's he's number four. I think is a good spot for him. I have him a little bit higher at number three. Um, yeah, which yeah, Kareem. I put Kareem at number two. I put I had Jordan, Kareem, um, LeBron, uh, Russell, then Magic at five. See, I just I I'm that's like I just feel like you can't put you can't put Russell there. He's got to be either one or two at nine or ten. I just like I'm his, weird, though. I'm weird like that. But, you know? his, but his resume is so good that either you have to discount it entirely or you have to give him full credit. Maybe That's I just have to I dig mean. deeper into Bill Russell. Because there's some NBA legends that I just kind of go off of like, yeah, those are those are pretty undeniable. When you share, I did watch that YouTube link where you show him like taking one seven over the free throw line and going over dudes. Where it's like, oh yeah, that'll play in any era. Can we mention eras real quick? I can't stand when people go, well, this guy in that era. I'm like, oh, you mean the guy from 2020 who has the best gym shoe technology ever and spends a million dollars on his body every year? You mean to tell me he's going to be better than guys who were smoking on the bench? Oh wow, like that yeah, shit kills me. There was yeah. some there was some guy I heard on I wanted I wish I knew the name so I could give them the, the shout out they deserve. It was someone on local Chicago sports radio um, that said there should be a stat or a category called dominance based on era, like dominance by or DB. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and like obviously Babe Ruth's numbers are the most ridiculous. He had one year where he had as many home runs as other teams combined. Yeah. So obviously he's way up there. Um I thought about Jordan. I looked at it the year he won his first scoring title, which would have been his second full season. Although his first season he had the most points, but um, Dominique Wilkins won the scoring title because he played like five less games, so it was a higher average. I get it. Um, And then Jordan broke his foot the second season, but his third season, which was his second full season, he averaged 37.1. That year, and was only the second player ever to have over 3,000 points in a season, Will Chamberlain being the other, of course. That year, Jordan averaged 37 a game. The next closest player, I think, was Dominique at 29 a game. Right. Think about that gap. Uh, like, I, there, there, I don't think there's been an eight-point gap since. That is dominance where you – and I want to mention this too, Kevin, before, and I know you're going to blow my mind with some amazing stuff. I meant to say <laughs> this not true. That's not true. But it, Maybe we, not, but I keep, I keep wanting to bring this thought up, and I don't want to forget this thought. Today's NBA fans – so many of them, I don't know if it's the times we're growing up in, stop acting like assists and rebounds, which are incredibly important. I'm not taking that away. Right. Are equal to scoring. They're not. Scoring is the most important stat. Here's why I like advanced stats a little bit. I know you said earlier you're not quite as into them. 
in in baseball they're really fun. No, 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 no. I'm not a, a quite into analytics. Oh, I gotcha. All right, cool. But there's a cool advanced stat, or maybe I, I don't know, sabermetric, I guess, in baseball. It's called weighted on base average. Now, in batting average and a base percentage, WBOA. I know that. You know that, right? A single is worth the same as a home run to your batting average, but we know that a single and a home run are not equal. Yes. So that's why I like when statistics are broken down. Scoring is more important than rebounds and assists. I'm not saying rebounds and assists aren't really important, but when people go like, oh, he, yeah, he best scorer, I'm like, don't poo-poo best scorer. Like, that's not fucking insanely important. Right. A home run is weighted more than a single – and a, and, and a bucket is worth more than a fucking rebound because somebody scored. Yeah, and like, and there's so many factors that rebounds and assists to me to equate them to baseball are like the runs scored and RBIs. You need your teammates are a factor. You get a lot of rebounds when people miss a lot of fucking shots, right? Right, and you get a lot of assists when people make the shots off your passes. Derrick Rose had a season where he averaged six assists a game. I think it was like a second or first or second season. If the Bulls were even an average team when it comes to field goal percentage, he would have averaged like 10 assists a game. He was right. passing the ball to people and they were bricking the shot. Does that mean yeah. he's a bad passer? No, he's a great passer. They didn't make the fucking shot. That's my beef. I get it. So it's the what you were saying earlier, two things. It's the uh it's the the time travel theory, where uh always people love to say, What if that player played back then? I go, I get it. But uh, what if that player that played back then got to have a strength and conditioning coach, got to have someone sit there and work on his shot, watch film, and, and all those things. Like, you you can't take one without the other. You can't say they can travel back in time, but they can't travel forward in time, which yeah. is why when, like, I had guys like Bob Pettit, who I was really on the fence I was really on the fence with. And the reason why I put Bob Patty 24 and Carmelo 25 is that Bob Patty, even though he won his championship the year Russell was hurt, game 70 went for 50. And I just yeah. seen Carmelo in big, big moments shrink. And well, I was saying, doesn't deliver on Sundays. What made Carmelo so great? was that when everybody in his era started to age, he still played at a high level. So Akeem got old, Barkley got old, like, and he was still at a high level, and that's why he got to the finals twice because he was better than that. But the bigger point is, is like these three things don't – it doesn't matter what era. If you are a highly skilled athletic dude, that doesn't matter where Eric, like I show Russell, if you have a high basketball, high sports IQ, it doesn't matter what area. A high sports IQ figures it out no matter what. And if you are a ferocious competitor, it doesn't matter what area you play in. That's why I yeah. give Russell the – he was a high athletic dude, and you could talk about his skill because the league was still developing then. But it's not like he's got a high sports IQ and a high motor. Like, you don't think that he would be able to figure it out now? You don't think Bill Russell is 6'10", wouldn't learn how to shoot, wouldn't learn how to adapt his game if that was the game? Like, he's a ferocious competitor with a high sports IQ. He wouldn't be like, I can only rebound. This is it. He was the head coach when the Celtics won their last championship with him. 
Like, it, yeah. like those things, those things are transcendent. If you have those things, that's why I was able to incorporate older dudes in. But I was on the fence about Bob Pettit. And then once I put him in, like I had to put him over. Because to me, Carl Malone and Charles Barkley are neck and neck. I, I believe Barkley in his prime was better than Malone in his prime. But I, agree. I also believe that Malone's longevity was way longer than Barkley's longevity. And that's why I put it. So it's Malone, Pettit, Dwayne Wade, Elgin Baylor, Isaiah. That was like my first five. And I don't, I like, I'm not big on little guards. Isaiah and Steph Curry were my only little guards on the squad. Cause I feel like to have those dudes, they need a lot of players because Isaiah, when it's go time, yeah, when he's streaky, he's on, but it's really hard to be able to create scoring opportunities. He's not, he can't post you up, right? It's all yeah. about being able to, they're going to collapse. So it's, it's really hard for him to create consistently against great teams. But if you think about those bad boys teams were absolutely loaded. If you took Isaiah off that team, they're winning 50 games anyway. But I also acknowledge yeah, that Isaiah was great. So they were such a well-rounded team. Obviously, Isaiah was their superstar, and, and, and Dumars was an all-star. And that's another myth-busting thing we could do, the idea that the Pistons got old and then the Bulls beat them. Their t- their big three were all in their 30. Isaiah was 29, Rodman was 27, Dumars was 27. So I don't like, I never understood the whole, oh, they got old. I'm like, no, you just think that because they played each other so much. They got, re- they got ready, and the Bulls beat them, and when it was time to beat them, they fucking swept them. And they almost beat them the year before. That's the seven, you know. Obviously, the migraine game was a big stain on Pippen's record. But, like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to – Pippen's upset, I guess, about the last dance. And there was a moment where I'm like, oh, I feel like that was unfair. But I still feel like the first seven episodes of the last dance, everyone I knew was, like, a bigger Pippen fan. He yeah, was I, I still felt like he got – here's why I feel like he got – uh, and we, I think we talked about this a little bit on, on Twitter. You and I just had a couple of things. It's like, so you're Jordan, right? And you didn't play that year that the Bulls should have beat the Knicks. That's fine. You're going to talk about Pippen's 1.8 seconds. But how do you not spend time on that blown call? Like Jordan's, I, that, I agree. That was Jordan's myth. should have talked about it. Been, Jordan's take should have been, look, man, to Pippen's credit, he did that and he shouldn't did it. But that was a bogus call, and they should have won. And they replaced Jordan. I don't think people understand this. They Jordan retired, started training camp, so it was hard to replace him. Uh, so it was hard, like it was hard to replace because training camp had started, so they couldn't. October, they yeah. A journeyman, a dude that was a well below average. He was supposed to probably play eight minutes a game. Is now playing twenty something minutes a game at Pete Myers. So you go from the best player ever averaging 30 a game to a dude that averages eight points a game at a shooting guard where scoring is a premium. Like, I don't know if people talk about this, but the Bulls, you know, I don't know if you remember this, the Bulls could have traded for Jeff Hornacek that year and Jerry Cross didn't pull the trade. Well, you know, people forget it. We could have got Jeff Hornacek and they would have been a wrap. Yeah, Hornet, he would have been a better move because was Hornacek uh, played for that Utah team and he was really good. You're an old school Chicago guy, and here's how I know. 
his name is actually, I told this story recently on the podcast, maybe a couple episodes ago. Jeff, it's Jeff Hornacek. Hornacek. Yeah, but you here's know, why I, I called you old school. I played against his brother. Okay, there you go. But here's why I called you old school. I remember during the 98 finals, Hornacek hit a three. And my dad saying, like, who the fuck was supposed to guard Hornacek on that play? He was wide open. And I said, well, it's actually Hornacek. And my dad goes, I know a Pollock name when I see one. It's Hornacek. <laughs> and that, if you're not from Chicago, you're not going to get it. Right. Chicago's got the biggest Polish population outside of Warsaw. And I think at one point we were close to Warsaw's population when it comes to Polish people. And so <laughs> my, and I went to a grade school that was like 50% Polish immigrants, like immigrant immigrants. Right. And, and, and they're some of my best friends. So I'm not knocking Polish people, but damn, are they fun to make fun of. They <laughs> just were. And um, that was a real Chicago moment there. But people forget how good that guy was. He was the main piece in the Barkley trade. Barkley, he was Hornacek was a 76er and he got traded to uh or no, he was a Phoenix Sun and he got traded to Philadelphia for Charles Barkley. Yep. He was an all-star that he averaged 20 points a game. Yeah, he was he a was, good ball player. So that's, so that's what the Bulls team needed was he lost the 30 point per game score. They needed more scoring, especially against the Knicks and the way they play basketball. But still, it took a bad call for them to lose that series. And I thought Jordan should have been. Like, if you can sit there and say, I couldn't have won without Scotty, and then comment and say, I thought Scotty was being selfish when he sat out on that contract. And then, you know, he had the migraine, and then he sat out the 1.8 seconds. Well, if you can say all of those things, you can find 45 seconds to be like, yo, that was a bullshit call. They should have called that. And then Scotty, they got hosed on that series. That he could have. With him having final say, he could have easily have said that. And that's why I think that, like, it's legit. But Pippen, dude, here's the thing about Jordan that's undeniable. He left a lot of scars because Scottie Pippen has been low level his whole career since that has been taking digs at, at Jordan. First, he was saying, Le he did say LeBron was better than. He did, yeah. He said Kobe to a one that's point. That's it, Kobe. He just said that Kobe was better than him, and that's that's hurt. That's yeah. That's I mean, hurt. he's and wrong. Not he's wrong. He oh, is yeah. wrong. I don't. I don't care. Like that. That does nothing to diminish Jordan to me. It just you know, yeah. You know, like he won six and zero in the final. Six and zero, and also the statistic. Like I, I tell people, I go when I consider greatness. Because people, there's always some dickhead that goes, oh, it's about rings? What about Robert Horry? It's like, you're fucking dumb. Walk away from me. Because obviously it's about rings and stats, you dipshit. Like, you know, I mean, I don't think Steve Kerr with his five rings or whatever is better than Charles Barkley with his zero. Duh. Right? Like, you look at Jordan, like 10 scoring titles. And, and when you brought up the LeBron issue, and I know LeBron, you had four. So we're comparing one versus four on your list. But really in the public side, it's one versus two right now. Jordan... The leadership quality to me, and yeah, was he an asshole? But it's what needed to be. Every one of those teammates was like, hey, he was a piece of shit, he was a dick, he would cross the line, but it worked and he did make us better. And I look at that 93 94 season, Pippen was amazing. I think he was third in MVP behind Olajuwon and Robinson. I thought he should have won. I don't know how. Olajuwon, dude, had a year, man. I don't know. David Robinson won it. Oh, did David Robinson win it? Olajuwon won the next year. You're right. You're right. I don't know. I don't know, though, how you can take what everyone was widely considered 
not even widely, it's almost unanimous that Jordan is the best player in the league. And they win 57 games. And they don't replace him. And then the next two win 55 games. I just think the media just did like, like, I just don't understand how you can say, like, wh- how that Duke is not the MVP when he won 55 games. And mind you, Horace Grant was sitting out a bunch of games because he didn't want, that's another thing Horace Grant will talk about, all the games he sat out that year because he didn't want to get hurt because it was his contract year. He sat uh-huh. out like at least 10 games that year just because he was worried about getting hurt. Scotty missed about 10 games, too. I looked that up recently. Yeah, yeah minor uh, ankle surgery or something yeah. like that. And yeah, and I looked it up. I think they were uh, four and six on the 10 games he missed. Yeah, he I was curious about that. He came back and they yeah. took off. So they're below 500 without him, yeah. Tony Kukoc hit a lot of big shots. I think Tony Kukoc had like three or four buzzer beaters that year. And, look, Pippen was third in MVP, and I think you have a great case that he perhaps should have won MVP. Um, I forgot it was Robinson. I, I, thought, I was looking at. I, I did look at this like a couple weeks ago. It might, it might have been Rob, Rob, Robinson and I came with. I thought Robinson. I know they were one and two or two and or vice versa. I'm not sure, but I think you're right. It was Robinson and Elijah won the next year. I um, Pippen though, interestingly enough, he averaged 22 a game, which is was a career high. The two the year before was like 19, and the year before it was 21. So playing along alongside Jordan, he averaged 21 a game. Two years later, without Jordan, averaged 22 a game. I Field goal percentage was about the same. Defensively, he stepped up a little bit more. I think he led the league in steals that year, which is the only time he ever led the league in anything. Um, B.J. Armstrong had a huge year that year. Kukoc had a big year. And Phil Jackson had did some of his best coaching. And I say this not to take away from Pippen, but to mention it was this whole concerted effort of, we're going to show the world that we were more than just number 23. Cause people used to say it was the Jordan airs and they, people, people were like, Oh, that's, you know, yeah, that's all sure. insulting to them. And I don't blame them for sure. um, to, to the leadership thing. Uh, I read a book maybe a year or two ago. It's called extreme ownership. And it's a, it's a book about leadership. It's written by a couple Navy seals. The one Navy seal, I think is, he's, been on like um a couple podcasts like rogan's and a few other bigger ones jocko wilnick i think is yeah jocko wilnick and the podcast or not the podcast the the book had an interesting chapter about um like captains and in the navy seals they had a drill with like a row rowing a crew thing you know they'd like row boats and it was like a team of like whoever and they would race them and the last place guy after every time they finished, the captain of the last place team would just be like, you guys fucking suck and blah, blah, blah. And this team's terrible. And so they, that chapter made you think, is this chapter about how to be a leader? Like, should he not be telling them they suck? Should he not be whining? Cause he was kind of like making excuses. The guy was all about making excuses and putting the blame on other people, even though he was the captain. And so then the team that was first place, the team that was first place every race, cause one team was first place every race. They go, all right, we're going to try an experiment. We're going to switch the captains, the captain of the first place team. You're going to now be the captain of the last place team where the, this captain is always c- complaining. And this captain of the last place team, we're going to make you the captain of the first place team. Let's see what happens. The very first race, the cap, the loser captain, they actually won of him being the captain of the winning team. But guess what? The team that was dead last every time took uh, – no, no, I, I mixed – did, did I switch that? Yeah, hold on. Let me explain it again. Not the whole thing. But they switched the leaders, right? Yep. And the team that was winning all the time lost their leader, 
they still took second place, I think it was. Uh-huh. And the the team with the new leader ended up like not being as good. And the point of that was, why did the team that lost their leader still do really well? Well, because they learned all this shit under their previous kick-ass leader. And right. that's what made me think of the 93-94 Bulls. Because a lot of people will be like, look, without Jordan, without Jordan, the 93-94 Bulls, seven games in the second round of the playoffs. I always remind people it's the second round because everyone always acts yeah. like, this close to the finals. Second round. And 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 they and I don't know if they say that to give Pippen more respect, which I'm all about, or if they're trying to take away from Jordan. I bring it up because if you took that same group of guys and they had never played with Jordan ever, are they that? Are they winning 57 games? My answer is no, they're not. Yes, they learn how to win. Not. So here's the thing. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the thing about. Here's the thing that's weird that people don't even talk about. Like you know, part of Jordan's development was playing against his brother and. Um, never, uh, like, never beaten his brother, which just drove him, infuriated him and stuff. And you see all of these guys that always have somebody, even like Grant Hill, his dad was a professional football player. Kobe Bryant, his dad was that. LeBron James was a naturally gifted dude, and there's no, you know, body necessarily out there for him to do that. But his dad, Pippen, his dad, his dad was uh was in a wheelchair. wheelchair yeah. His big brother was in a wheelchair, and he was slow to develop. So he didn't play anyone at all on his level until he got to the NBA. So people like Jordan made him like, yeah, there was nobody else to make him. He was a late bloomer. Like almost everybody has gotten made. So like, I don't feel like if we say Jordan made, like I feel like Scottie Pippen goes to the NBA. Uh, he's great. He's going to be great. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Jordan probably took him to heights he couldn't get to for sure. I agree with that. But I believe Scottie Pippen would have been great because he had never been – I was – like when his first NBA game was the first time he played against anybody that was like, oh, shoot, there's other people out here yeah. with my skill level. Yeah, because he's from Central Arkansas. And, yeah, I thought about that. What would Pippen's career have been like if he was just a Seattle Supersonic? Cross doesn't make that trade, pairs him with Jordan, all that kind of stuff. I think he makes some all-star games and stuff like that, and and maybe Hall of Fame. I don't think he's a top 50 NBA player like the consensus is on, on Scottie well, Pippen. A lot of those dudes. I don't think that a, lot of those, a lot of those dudes made top 50 because of the teams that they, you know, they played for. Would Mikhail have been top 50 under without Larry Bird? With I don't know. That's a good question. Top 50 without Magic. You know what I'm saying? Like you they need to redo that list, that, that top 50 list. Well, for 1996, the only thing that I had a problem with when that list came out was 1996 was that Shaquille O'Neal over Dominique Wilkins was the biggest travesty ever. There's no way that four years of Shaquille O'Neal was better than Dominique Wilkins' entire career. Just no way. No way. Yeah, yeah, that's a no bad one. I forgot about that. Dominique Wilkins should have been top 50, and there's no way Shaquille O'Neal is top 10 now. But you're saying to me that four years of Shaquille O'Neal Four? Yeah. 
That's crazy. Is the fifty is in the top fifty ever? That's Four. nuts. And it was at the time it was just three and a half years because it was the ninety six. I totally forgot that he came in in ninety two, and in ninety six they announced the team. I believe. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it was the ninety six, ninety seven season, or ninety five, ninety six. Whatever it was, like the fifty year anniversary of the NBA. I thought that was and, the year that the Bulls were. Well, that 70 game. I think it was the 72 win season. You're right. I remember the all-star game. They all wore the jackets. So this, was, this would have been Shaquille O'Neal's fourth year. It, yeah, because he was 92, 93, 93, 94, 94, 95, 95, 96. You're right. Four years. I say that he's be- that's better than Dominique. It just that's like, nuts. that was the biggest. That Dominique was- Wilkins. I'm going to give you a couple homework assignments, actually, because Dominique Wilkins, I think, is so forgotten. I want you to do a top 25 most underrated NBA players. I want you to do a top 25 greatest athletes of all time. And that goes for any sport. You mentioned Gretzky. When you mentioned Gretzky earlier, I'm like, oh, man, I'd like to see what Bozeman has to say about the 25 best athletes of all time. Because um, it's always interesting when they do those lists, you know, because there's always one player where everyone's like, she really the best athlete. What about this guy? This guy was a letterman in three different sports. And there's, a, there's forgotten athletes. Like someone made a tweet about LeBron James being the best high school bas- high school athlete of all time. And, I'll, and then someone goes, hey, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer is the best high school athlete of all time. And I didn't even know anything about Joe Maurer as a high school athlete. Joe Maurer I just knew was the catcher for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Joe Maurer was the best basketball player in the state of Minnesota, the best baseball player in the state of Minnesota, the best football player in the state of Minnesota, state of Minnesota had D1 offers for basketball, football, and, of course, baseball, went on to focus on baseball, won multiple MVPs as a catcher, and then I think he also bowled a perfect game or something like that in bowling. Like the guy was fuck, or maybe it was a golf. Like he was like he was like a four sport freak athlete. Jackie Robinson was an insane high school athlete. Like I'd like to get into like these deeper. You know, so you know, Allen Iverson was basketball All America, and then football, yeah, uh, football quarterback. Oh, was he quarterback? I was thought he was a running back for some reason. Yeah, he's quarterback All America. I, I don't quote me on that, but I know he's All American. No. I think there's only one other dude that can say that. Do you know who he is? No, who? Fred Hoiberg. Really? That's Bra- funny. Tom Osborne recruited him to play quarterback at Nebraska. Nice. One of my favorite pieces of uh, trivia as ever, who is the only athlete to be drafted in all three sports or all three major uh, sports? Oh, I felt like I knew that. Who? One guy was drafted by um, NBA, MLB, and NFL, and that's Dave Winfield, Hall of Fame baseball player, who famously played at the University of Minnesota, and he famously punched a guy in the head during March Madness. I think it was like the second round. I think it was – yeah, I think it was the second round of the tournament. He got into a fight and fucking decked a guy on national television during March Madness. Yeah, I got to find that on YouTube somewhere. I think it's on there. I remember seeing the highlight. You know – I do all sorts of weird shit. This guy does this book of illustrations, Tom Tom Jeter, Tom Jeter, and he asked me to do a top ten list. So I gave him my top, the top ten whatever. So I'm sticking with what I know. I gave him my top ten players that I would want to have in any era if I wanted to go eighty two and zero in the NBA. Ooh. 
What do you? Oh, <laughs> oh, man. I'm a psychopath. I'm a oh, little man. Bit. That's that's fucking nuts. I mean, so, and then I, I of course, I of course even spiced it up and said, "It's not fair to give you the player. I'm going to give you the player and the year that I wanted the player." Damn. See, I like that though. So I gave him that, and so he did an illustration. I did a write up, and so, but he reached out to me and asked who I thought was the most underrated, the most underrated. He's doing, he's doing a new one, uh, the most underrated that I think of all time is anything, whatever. And of course, I stick with sports. And of course, you know I'm such a homer, but I picked uh, Wilbur Marshall. Okay, that's a good underrated. I picked Wilbur Marshall. I said Wilbur Marshall was so good that he cost the Bears an undefeated season. Because that year they lost to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins was running those three wide receiver spreads, which was uncommon back then. But Buddy Ryan thought that Wilbur Marshall and his athletic freakness could be able to cover a wide receiver instead of switching out of their base formation. So they would spread Wilbur Marshall out in this little slot wide receiver, Nat Moore, Cause all sorts of problems. And that's why Dick and Buddy Ryan got into a fight at halftime. Because Dick was like, what the fuck are you doing? It's, you got to switch it out. And they almost gave the blows. And Miami dropped 38 on him because he refused to, to make the necessary adjustment and go with an extra defensive back. And so I wrote with Wilbur Marshall. He was also defensive player of the year. And then when he left the Bears, the Bears defense got yeah got like dramatically worse. They were still decent, but they got dramatically worse because that dude could rush the quarterback, guard, run, uh, uh, cover wide, uh, running backs and tight ends. But you know he had Buddy Ryan had him trying to cover a wide receiver, and they just exploited him. And that's the only Bears lost that year, fifteen to one. So I went. Wilbur that's Marshall. a good one. That's a good one. I, I would really think hard about mine. Whenever I think I'm just like I'm just a weirdo. That's a good local one. I think um, I have to go like. Whenever I think underrated, I always think of Kim Olajuwon because people never bring him up enough. I feel like he was you such know, a. I'm not gonna call him that. I got him. Most people got him in their top twelve. I got him seven. Seven's a good call from I think. But look, man, I I'm holding a piss like you wouldn't believe. I think we're gonna wrap up the podcast now. But you got your homework. I'm gonna follow up with you on this, and I'd like to talk again. We could. I'll help you with the list. Maybe we could do one together of underrated and athletes, like in general, not just basketball or baseball or football, but like. Yeah, but what's the criteria for athlete? Is Jesse Owens on there? That uh, we put. I think we'd have to put. We'd have to make a list. We have to do a criteria. Um, I don't know, man, dude. I have, I'm going to piss my pants in one second. I swear to fucking God. You want to talk to everyone and tell them where you're from, and I'll be back. Tell them where they can find your YouTube and shit, and I'll be back to close it off. I need like 30 seconds. I got it. So this is weird. This is actually my show. I wish there was some way I could change this graphics. Uh, you can catch me on YouTube at The Kevin Bozeman, where I have a new YouTube show called Happy Hour with Kevin Bozeman. Kind of like Kill Gallons, but probably not as dope as he is. But still, do the same thing. I just want to drink with my friends. I mean, that's it. That's what I miss most is drinking and hanging out with my friends. Also catch my special... Uh, Clean and unfiltered on uh, on YouTube channel. It's uh, not on the Kevin Bozeman page. Somebody else owns it, but I still get paid for it. So definitely watch it. Um, clean and unfiltered on uh, Kevin Bozeman Dry Bar Comedy. It's a clean set too. 
43 minutes of all clean material. And then I'm on uh, Twitter, Kevin Bozeman. Facebook, I believe that's jammed up, but follow my Facebook fan page, Kevin Bozeman. I don't know who's out there. I can't see shit, but I'm used to talking to myself anyway. So this is uh, pretty dope. I'm glad. Uh, this is a great way to kill uh, Tuesday evening, by the way. If you got a Tuesday evening, you got shit going on. What a perfect way to do just be on the internet and chat with your friends. Oh, we back. Hey, hey, what's up, buddy? Thanks for uh, uh, killing the time for me. Never mind. No, dude. I was holding it so bad. That should be a part of We also need to do criteria of what makes a great drinker because do you give bonus points for people who could hold the seal longer? No. That, Why? that shouldn't matter. Why? Yeah, what right? Who cares? What do you get? You're telling me like I always think about could you beat could you beat the uh the woman uh Indiana Jones? Shot for shot. Raiders of the Oh man, probably not. No, I don't know. I think I think she I think she she faked all of us. And I was so disappointed when they brought her back on that last bullshit Indiana Jones. I didn't see that oh, one. So I don't even know. He was like 70 years old, punching people, knocking people off of trains and shit. Dude, Harrison Ford needs to retire. There needs to be a they brought her back and I was just like, oh shit, she's gonna at some point have to out drink somebody. No. I was like, do what? What did, what'd she do? What's she doing it then? Um, not to be a spoiler, because I'm sure this is probably 10 years I don't, ago, but I don't care. Uh she was uh the mom of Indiana Jones and they had a baby together. They had a kid together. Ooh. Who was uh Sh Sh Oh, Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. Is it yeah. Shia LaBeouf or Shia LaBeouf? I think it's Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is is the kid. And French. She's the mom, but she she never has a a drinking excursion. I was bummed about that. That's sad. Yeah, I mean, you know, whiskey is what created that kid. So, the, the no water of life. Hell yeah, water of literally the water of life in that situation. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's a good note to end it on. I Those said, Mom, I gave everybody everything that they need to 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 love and adore me forever. Well, good, man. Now I want to, I'd love to get together with you in person too, but now that this technology is available and easy, um, I got to get you back on um, to talk more sports with me and everything like that. And other stuff, I'm sure you got lists on different things. I, well, do, I like about do, but it's fun because I like that you, you see these listed in a different angle than other people do, which makes it more fun to discuss. It's not just a, here's this and here's this and here's this. You, you make me think, and which is fucking awesome because a lot of other people, I just you read I the know, you reached out to me and told me that I was uh I was uh um I don't want to say flabbergasted I was I don't want to say honored but I I was pleasantly surprised that you sent out to be like dude your list is that was you know dude, you it know, was I was I shared I, I shared agree with your list everything on this list but the way you're breaking it down is impressive so I was. Yeah, man, you made it tough to argue. So I, I, I want to see where it keeps going with this shit, man, because it's fun. Well, I them, dude. sent me things to, to create other lists, but I was just like, well, one, it's not easy putting together. No, they're not easy. Like, they're, it's work, yeah. Run up the engines again. But, yeah, I, I was thinking about doing top 10 running backs, top 10 quarterbacks, top 10 wide receivers, and then I was thinking about doing a top 25 baseball. I would – you take Barry Bonds. I know you, we got to go. But we take Barry Bonds. Yeah, that's cool. 
that if we take Barry Bonds, steroids, Barry Bonds, out of the list from 1980 on, I I think I take Ricky Henderson. Oh, dude, I love Ricky Henderson. One of my favorite I mean, players. We were talking about. I was talking about with walks. Um, he makes walks triples. Dude, exactly. It's such a fucking. And it's he it's stresses, weird. He stresses. I love a dude that stresses the defense out. He stresses yeah. the defense out, and he hit for power. He was at what three hundred home runs. Yeah, he had the still has the most leadoff home runs ever. He was good for about twenty to twenty five a year for a good stretch. You know, yeah. had a great eye, stole basically right. He took walks and turned them into triples. Ricky Henderson, we were I was talking about this with Mike Bridenstine. I'm sure he's a comedian you've met a few times. He's a big baseball guy. And we were joking, saying that hockey is cool because for a while hockey had their divisions named after famous people who had played the sport. They're like right. the Norse division, you know? Yeah. And so we're like, if baseball were to rename each division after the best player to play in that division, what would you call each? The AL West, we were calling the Henderson division. Yeah, we were like he's the best player to play in the AL West. So we're like we're, or we did a thing where we were talking about how um, there was an old one of the Cleveland Browns were named after like their owner who was Brown, and there was a thing. I guess this has been debunked, but for a while the 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 story was the Cleveland Indians got their name because the best player on the team was Native American, because. I've, it's multiple stories, and it's one of those things where it's like some people go, ah, it's bullshit. Some people go, no, it's really true. I've Googled it, and I've gotten answers on both sides. The Cleveland Indians were originally the Cleveland Spiders, and the city were like, this is a fucking terrible team name. You know, yeah, we're like sure. bitching about how dumb. This is like in the early 1900s. And at the time, the best player on the team was a dude like, named Napawish. It was, it was a Native American name. And yeah. so they renamed the team after him. And so we were joking, saying if you were to rename each team after the best player, Oakland Henderson. So we had we Ricky Henderson was the only guy we had for best division and for the best player to play for that organization. And so, like, obviously the Giants would have been the – we were tossed between Mays and Boss because we're like, do you count the Roids? Do you not count the Roids? We're like, all right, we'll count the Roids to the San Francisco Bonds. The Cubs were the Cubs Banks. You know, Los Sosa was real close. You know, the White Sox were the big hurt. We called them the Chicago big hurt because we were thinking Frank Thomas was the best White Sox player ever, right. although it's tough without playing the, the field. But it was a fun conversation. And I want to I wanna keep talking to you about stuff like this because we were talking about, like, a fun radio show or podcast. And I think lists, man. Like lists. You got nostalgia. You bring in the new school, the old school. Lists, man. I'm, I'm telling you. Man. I love them, too. We got we to come up with a cool name, though. Those fuckers. There's some, there's some douchebags that have a podcast called – Mount Rushmore, where they do their Mount Rushmore of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those God, it's a fucking good name. Cocksuckers. They're boring. I listened to like five minutes of them. Like, maybe it's good, but I couldn't get past five minutes because I'm pissed off <laughs> that they got a better name than we did. Son of a bitch. You guys oh, know where man. Mike Kevin Bozeman. He's going to be back on Gil Gallon's Pub soon. Check out his – you told him about the new podcast you got? Uh, yeah, Happy Hour with Kevin Bozeman. All right. You, you gave him all the info. Dude, thanks so much for being on it. Appreciate Everyone, it. thanks for listening. Kev, I'll talk to you soon. Everyone, thanks for listening to Kill Gowns Pub. Cheers. Right. Jesus.